Hey. Hey, you. Did you know that Avengers Endgame is the only time Robert Redford has ever reprised a role? Did you know that Avengers Endgame is also the first movie to reach $1 billion at the box office in its first weekend? Did you know that we have a Patreon? <laughs> well, check it out. You can find it in the links inside the episode descriptions or at our official website. It's a great way to support the show and even get yourselves shouted out at the end of every month. It really helps us out, and we are eternally grateful to each and every one of you that supports us. But for now, honestly, I really hope you just enjoy this episode. He doesn't say that. Uh, well, I mean, he goes apeshit on the station and... Says the person who has not watched The Last of Us. I'm talking yeah, about Melanie Linsky. When did you watch The Last of Us? After you guys went shut up. <laughs> How the fuck? You're not serious. You actually watched it through and didn't talk to us about it? No, because you guys had already moved on to other shit. You were talking about Yellow Jacket, Succession, uh, the I'm Taylor so concert. What you thought? I'm I know. So Are you fucking kidding me? I still. All right, we'll circle back to that. I can't believe you thought that I had like just because Succession no, was I on didn't that I didn't want to hear about what, it. But like, I obviously want to know if you watched fucking. I'm talking about Melanie Linsky when she says, oh. "I think she might say that uh, in episode five. So I know that I and you, I think, liked Ant-Man. Like, I'm not out here in the MCU being like, everything's terrible. I'm in the desert. Like, it's there's nothing good. Like, I have (laughs) liked a lot of stuff that, like, people haven't liked in the recent MCU. But God fucking damn it. I loved this. This was like, we we back. Like, this was. Yeah. This definitely felt like all the hiccups that we've had the last couple couple movies were gone for sure totally smoothed out hiccup free like hiccups cured it's so good it was so 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 good i just Mm -hmm. i loved every second of this movie i really really did um yep and i definitely cried twice totally yeah 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 um i'll cry more when i have it at home oh for sure dude like i always cry more on second viewings and yeah when i watch this again i'll just be like this is ridiculous like but i really liked it yeah it was it was really good i really enjoyed it hi guys welcome to guardians of the galaxy volume three yeah another marvel movie (laughs) i know right we are we're out in the in the like the current out of the timeline Mm -hmm. out in current events for the latest mcu movie we got a lot to cover too this is going to be not only just because this is like the end of the guardians trilogy but like this is technically part of phase five. So we have a lot of stuff coming and there's a lot of stuff that this doesn't set up in any way, shape or form. This is its own movie. We're back to the Marvel movies being their own thing Mm -hmm. with volume three. This is literally a self-contained movie. There are references to shit that happened, but yeah, there's like primarily two other things. The guardians have been in right like infinity war Endgame, Mm -hmm. and, what I thought was really interesting was that apart from that, like 
there weren't references to Thor with the exception of mm -hmm. uh, the images over the credits. There were some of the, there were some pictures of them with Thor, yeah. but other than that, they don't even mention that, which I thought was weird. I thought they would have mentioned like, at least well, having only, been with him for a little bit. Yeah. Or like if only Thor was on the team, this would be so straightforward, but they just, they, it's so self-contained that they don't even mention Thor. Yeah. Well, and so like right off the bat, I think it's worth noting because we have been talking about this in the last two Marvel movies, including Love and Thunder. We were wildly wrong about what this was going to be about, like oh, yeah. wildly wrong. Yeah. Everybody thought this was going to be about them going to look for Gamora. Um, but yeah, we have a lot to cover, so I'll, I'll get through the boring stuff of, you know, the... The behind the movie stuff. The who, so, what, when. Exactly. The, the uh, what is it? The journalism Ws? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously, directed and written by James Gunn, the film stars, and I will read everybody in here. Um, Chris Pratt as Peter Starlord Quill. Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Dave Bautista as Drax the Destroyer. Karen Gillan as Nebula. Palm Clementif as Mantis. Sean Gunn as Craglin and Will Poulter as Adam, a.k.a. Adam Warlock, with the voice talents of Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon, Vin Diesel as Groot, and Maria Bakalova as Cosmo. Great job. Thank you. you Thank know, you I, for not allowing me to eat. I was it not going to let you do that. <laughs> like, we'll be here a month of Sundays. Um, music and score composed by John Murphy replacing Tyler Bates. Tyler Bates had been the composer for volume one and volume two. Uh, and he replaces um, John Murphy replaces Tyler Bates, who he also replaced on Suicide Squad. Fun fact for you guys. James Gunn has a lot of Suicide Squad stuff in this. Um, but that's so not why people care about this. People care about this because of the fucking actual soundtrack, not the score, the soundtrack mm -hmm. this time around. And I'm going to tell you guys right off the bat, this was the best of the three. This was the best of the three soundtracks. I don't know. The first one's pretty fun. No, dude. The fact that this movie ends with Florence and the machine. Is I will give you that. Fucking rad. There are some people yeah. who didn't like that, but I have to say, I believe those people to be incorrect. I thought the Florence they and the are. machine ending of this movie was like, incredibly beautiful it was and phenomenal. the way that rocket chooses the 2020s the, the mm -hmm. 2000s the 2000s sorry, no, the 2020s uh yeah. yeah the 2000s as the like that really showed like this progression forward uh mm -hmm. like jumping decades and just like uh, i yeah. thought that was really good yeah i loved it the I soundtrack contains radiohead earth wind and fire bc boys and we just said it but florence and the machine the movie actually opens with an acoustic version of Radiohead's Creep, which, if I'm being totally honest, is probably my favorite song from the soundtrack. The way that it starts off with everything really kind of being about Rocket. Mm -hmm. I love it right off the bat. I'm here for it. Every second of this, I'm here for it. I think my f I don't I can't I don't really know I don't know I don't know which my favorite like needle drop was I really did enjoy the Beastie Boys I'm not gonna lie the No Sleep oh Till Brooklyn, no Sleep to Brooklyn. Was yeah like that was good awesome needle drop into and we'll get there but the best fight scene maybe in it, top three in the MCU top three I mean it's top absolutely three. top three that was, like sure, that was dude. fucking so fire and like that yeah. just so I was super here for that um. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about the plot. 
let's get into some like kind of the rest of this boring stuff. I want to talk about the characters. Tell me all the I rest know. of this basic shit, Scott. <laughs> get us through it. So the plot of the movie, after a surprise attack on their headquarters of nowhere by the newly awoken Adam Warlock renders Rocket terminally injured, the Guardians set out to save their friend before time runs out, entwining them all in one final adventure that could spell the end of the titular heroes should they fail. Beautiful. Thank you. I tried to give as little away because we do have quite a lot to talk about. And the first and most exciting thing to talk about when it comes to current stuff is actually the Rotten Tomatoes score. You guys are not going to believe this shit, but we are finally in a Marvel movie where everybody loves this shit. I haven't seen numbers like this since Endgame. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter has this movie at an 82% and audience scores give it a 95%, which I... Chef's kiss. Yeah. Right there. Totally. Right there with uh, you guys. Critics need to, you know. I know. I don't know what they're doing, dude. They're. I don't know I what maybe a little beef is, but okay. Yeah. You guys might want to push it up there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, box office performances. So we, this is, it's currently May 8th. So as of May 7th, under a $250 million budget, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has grossed a total of $289 million worldwide, but is rapidly growing uh so this could be completely different now um honestly by the time you guys listen to this it will be completely different but yeah the i think this is going to be big i think this i would be shocked if we didn't get close to a billion i I genuinely i would be shocked yeah because everybody loves the guardians right Mm -hmm. it's not uh somehow despite being the weirdest thing in the mcu somehow not uh like very niche everybody loves the guardians i think it's because it is like a kooky family kind of movie you're like everybody's got like their own thing although Um, i will say this one this one pushes an r rating harder than any other movie in the mcu my god yeah it does dude uh the mask reveal at the end i was like there's no way that we have this on screen right now and knowing that, like, that our main character, who the whole movie is about saving, like, did that to this guy, that, oh, like, that was teenage rocket ripped this guy's face yeah. off. Like, it was. That was yeah, insane. This was, this was pushing the R rating, man. Like, with, a, and just some of it was, like, scary and disturbing. And, mm-hmm. like, we were really pushing hard against that R rating for this movie. Yeah. Uh, actually, I will tell you guys right now that the second time I cried in this was from absolute shock and horror. Oh, yeah. When uh, they killed all rockets. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Let me just go. Full spoilers. Please full put this spoilers, in the description guys, for me, Scott. I, it will be. It's always in this in this description. Yeah, I'm like full. Put this in the title. This is a spoiler <laughs> review of this movie. I just would hate for somebody to not realize that. I, I hate for a new listener to come in and not realize because we're pretty bad about it. Because everything we do is is obvious, is like full spoilers for everything that's ever been produced. So it's like we kind of like don't mention it. But well, and like, but we're also like excited to get to it. So I don't think about saying that in the beginning anymore. I know anymore, I forget, and I, should... and I think that's like bad <laughs> hosting. I let's go ahead and put that in the in the front. Um, maybe go ahead and record a spoiler warning. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but what I was going to say is, yeah, when they killed all of Rocket's friends, is that what you're talking about? Where you cried out of shock? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck. I didn't really think that the guards had gotten enough shots off for it to like affect floor and teeths. But then you look back and I was like, what the fuck, dude? They're that was all dead. Mm, I it hated was, that. 
And just the way that, like, when Teefs was, like, no, when Flora was running around screaming right before it happened, like, the way she was screaming, like, it was so traumatic. I just, this movie was really pushing that R. Um, Speaking of someone who was pushing their R rating, let's talk about the the cancellation that wasn't. Uh, Yeah, let's get, let's get into this, give some of the background, then we'll, we'll get all the way into the meat. Yeah, so basically how Twitter almost destroyed this movie. Um, And it all starts with the firing of James Gunn. So back in 2014, it was announced that Guardians 3 would eventually happen. Uh, Disney Plus wasn't really a thing yet. So we didn't have, you know, the Christmas special or anything like that. They just knew that Gunn wanted to make this a trilogy. So start making prep, all that stuff. And then unfortunately, a massive storm broke on July 20th, 2018, when conservative commentators began circulating old tweets from Gunn's early career, framing jokes about rape and pedophilia, which he would later not only take full responsibility for, but acknowledge that he had done so as part of his comedy style and an effort to be edgy and provocative. He did not fully believe those things. He said them because at the time that was what he was trying to push as his comedy, like, you know, the, what he thought. Disney then chairman Alan F. Horn put out a statement separating themselves from Gunn, saying that his jokes were not holding with Walt Disney Company's values and were indefensible. And it should be noted that while he wasn't part of the decision, CEO Bob Iger did comment that he supported unanimously the decision to remove Gunn. However, quickly after his release, thousands of people poured into cyberspace their displeasure, including the entire Guardians cast. It did take them about 10 days to put out a statement, but that's because mm-hmm. they wanted the full story. They, they put wanted one to get their thoughts together. They, they all did Batista do a separate one. I feel like they did something that was a joint response to this. They did. Yeah. So Pratt, Saldana, Batista, Clemente, uh, Gun, Sean Gunn, his brother, uh, Karen Gillan, all of them, Bradley Cooper, Vin Diesel, they all put something out together. But Batista's was a little bit different um, because Batista was the most vocal about refusing to return if right Gunn. Yeah, either he wasn't returned to directing or his script, his original script wasn't used. Because at first there were talks that Disney was like, we're, we want to distance ourselves from everything here. So we're not even going to use his old shit. So think about it like this. If they hadn't put this fight up, then this could have been a completely different movie. We'd well, be having up to like, if they did like use his script and not have him direct. And like, yo, that yeah. He's so fucked up. Not credit him in any way or say that like Adam McKay came in because Adam McKay had helped him work on Ant-Man in 2015. And then at even Adam McKay was like, I don't want to work with Disney anymore. Cause you guys are pulling this shit. I fucking love Adam McKay. Yeah. He's rad. But then you also have like Selma Blair and like even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who are like, this is not right. Like he didn't say that he believed in these things. He was using them as jokes for shock value. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, if you watch all of the jokes about like super bad and stuff like that, like movies that made jokes like that, he was just kind of continuing that like Judd Apatow kind of humor. It was like, obviously it's in poor taste and it's not a great thing, but well, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. It was distasteful as hell. Yeah. It was not okay. So are half the things we've reviewed on this podcast. Oh, we, for you know sure, I mean? dude. And I most of the time really can get behind being like if they cancel fucking Jonathan Majors right now, try try not to hit people, Jonathan. Oh, I know. 
You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the new fucking. Goes to court tomorrow, care. by the way, guys. Does he seriously? Oh, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Disney. I wonder has- what Disney's going to do on this one, but. Yeah. Um, but if they if they were to fire him, I would stand by that 100%. Mm-hmm. I think it fucking sucks for the MCU if that happens. Yeah. But, like, whatever, we'll figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. like Wouldn't be the first time they've replaced somebody. There's all kinds of, of like, this movie f- prominently features a talking raccoon. We can recast Jonathan <laughs> Majors and get away yeah. with it. Like, it's fine. I think we're there's all right. A, it's, like, not that far outside the realm of what, what could happen in the MCU. <laughs> like, especially yeah. in the world of variants and all of that stuff. But, oh, I know. Yeah, but, we could just... It could be anybody. But in the case of James Gunn, um, yeah, it was definitely in poor taste, definitely not okay, and definitely old as fuck and not a political statement. And I think it's important Mm -hmm. to think, too, about how that information came out, um, which was through these, like, kind of conservative networks and commentators. Like, it was very much like... An attack? Yeah, it was kind of an effort to be like, oh, you're you're like canceling people or whatever, because it was right mm-hmm. in the middle of Me Too. And, you know, they didn't like that very much and say, well, we get somebody you really like canceled if we try hard enough and dig into Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, my God, like it was just it was it was done like just in bad faith. You know what I mean? Like this whole thing was just not in good faith. And Disney reacted uh because it was right in the middle of me too and it was just like that would the thing that you do is react like there was there was a minute where that's what was happening uh but ultimately tell us about this petition yeah well okay so for before we go on with that i do feel like it is worth saying i don't think that disney reacted rashly in their immediate response i I think them choosing yeah i think them choosing to at least continue negotiations with Gunn was the right move, but getting telling everybody and getting him off of this immediately as soon as this shit broke, that's mm-hmm. ex- the it's actually ironically it's not what Disney's doing with Jonathan Majors right now. Yeah, yeah right. They're letting this. They're not like axing it and, and then discussing. Like they're not pumping yeah. the brakes. They're. I don't know what is the right exact right thing to do in every situation when it comes yeah. to this, but I know that I ultimately felt really good about their decision not to fire him in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and that's how everybody else felt. So a petition of uh, was assembled of well over 300,000 people demanding guns immediate return return. And this went so far to threaten production of the film that Batista refused to return if the original script was not used or Gunn himself was not returned. And Disney even had to delay production because they were not able to find someone to replace him. They even asked uh, Taika Waititi and John Favreau to do it. Yeah. And they, they wouldn't both do couldn't. it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think John said he wouldn't. Um, or uh, I think Taika might've said he wouldn't do it. Um, So all this is going on. This is, you know, July, right? So now we come into mid-October 2018, same year of our Lord. Gunn joins on to direct the Suicide Squad sequel, The Suicide Squad, uh, which would inevitably lead him to becoming the DCEU's showrunner in 2023. That same month, Alan F. Horn reaches out to Gunn and informs him that the execs have confirmed that he may be allowed to return for the trilogy's finale. In the interim of those couple months, they had been continually renegotiating with him and trying to figure stuff out. And when Disney let cooler heads prevail, they actually were like, okay, we got you. This is what's going on. We're Disney. We believe in, you know, the betterment of people and that 
not everybody's terrible inside and all that stuff. And so they were like, all right, cool. And also Two- money. Well, and money, yeah. Um, 2018 October, they let Gun. It's important that I mention it like this, but they let Gun know that he can come back. However, Gun had countered by informing Disney and Bob Iger directly that he was committed to the Suicide Squad, and thus production was halted until February 2021. Mm-hmm. The reason that I mentioned that Gun was informed is because the public didn't know that Gun was allowed to come back and was rehired until March of 2019. Five months after they told Gunn he could come back, they told the public. That's so crazy. I wonder what it's the holdup was. It's weird as fuck. Well, yeah. And I, the only thing that we know is that like Pratt and numerous other cast members continually said that the movie is still happening and it's going to continue forward and all this shit um, and that it would happen. So after completing the script for Peacemaker for HBO Max in 2020, Gunn announced that he had completed the Guardians Volume 3 script with very little to almost no changes from his original work. So the conclusion of this portion of it is to note that if Gunn had not come back, it's almost guaranteed we would have had a completely different movie. Yeah. The fact that he changed almost nothing about his script from before to after he returned. It, that's insane to me that he had this vision the whole time. Yeah. And if none of this had happened, it probably would have come out during phase four. Mm-hmm. For sure. Definitely. We would have had this in a different spot. Yeah. But I'm just glad we have it because big time. I super, super liked it. So let's get into. Tell me about the full circles. Like this whole thing. I'm like, we just went through that quick. We just got through all that intro stuff real fast. I'm like, no, yeah. I have stuff to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is like the full circle movie. Like this is mm-hmm. definitely entering into like the perfect trilogy club. Oh, yeah. I. I would definitely put it up there for sure. I I don't think there's a bad movie in this trilogy. I don't sure. think there's a better trilogy in the MCU. Sorry, Cap. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have to agree. I would. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I don't know why we didn't have Matt and I didn't have this discussion earlier. But yeah, definitely. I 100% agree that like, this is for sure. Comparatively, we have the Thor trilogy, not as good as this. Iron Man, not as good as this. Captain America no would be the contender, but it's up there. I yeah. think it comes down to this in Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, Ant-Man. Ant-Man, really good. Might be a number three for me, because I Could super be. like Quantumania. Um, oh, but- no. I think it's actually going to have to be a tie between this and Homecoming. Ah, see, you know what? You're not wrong. The Spider-Man trilogy is yeah. real good. Real, but you know what? It's Sony. Can we just take it out of the running because of that and not be faced <laughs> no, with conflict? We just be conflict avoidant. Just yeah, say it's not. Be... it's not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> oh, damn. You're right. You got me there. <laughs> no, I, I would agree that like between uh, the, somewhere in there is, is the Spider-Man and Captain America. And I would say I prefer yeah. Spider-Man to Captain America's trilogy. But this is it's fucking good right it's Mm -hmm. really good and this brought everybody full circle um and every like all all of these story arcs closing yeah he's like oprah with character growth yeah you get you get a character growth and you get a character growth and like shit that we didn't know people were feeling or like things that like came up like i'm gonna be honest with you guys when Quill kept referring to Mantis as his sister. I had to keep reminding myself that she's technically his half sister. 
because she's a daughter of ego. And I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? Did I miss something? It was weird that that came up so little. It was revealed in the Christmas special. Maybe that's why they didn't bring it up a lot so that you don't have to have like watched that. But it was weird that it only got barely mentioned. Like it's like has no impact. Yeah, they say it two times. But they don't seem to have a different relationship. I would have enjoyed it if it was like, no, me and Mantis have brother, sister movie night or whatever on two Oh, yeah. If they had made it like an important thing. No, not even important. Just like a throwaway line that showed that like there was something about their relationship that had changed as a result of this information. That they were like doing something special together. I don't know. Yeah, everybody gets everybody gets a little story arc and they and they are. The story arcs that flow well through all three movies, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can be like, oh, yeah, look at how how much that has been the through line the whole way through. And that's what you really, really want, right? Like, so yeah. we saw some of that in Ant-Man that was good, like where you close out the third movie. And um, I think we talked about this actually a lot in Toy Story, the way that Woody's arc really goes over all four yeah. movies. And there's many arcs within them. Mm-hmm. But when you get that like really proper overarching one, that's that's where that sweet spot is. And this movie does a great job. Like James Gunn had a plan. Like you said, this changed the script a very little. Um, so let's let's like start little. Um, like let's let's start big but small with Drax. Yeah. Um Drax is also, actually a really good place to start. But but actually, let's first talk about Nebula, because I would kind of group her in with Drax, but We'll do her slightly yeah. first because she had a really strong arc already. Uh, Nebula's mm-hmm. arc kind of culminated in Endgame. Yeah, and, her killing her her past self. Yeah, yeah, and like talking Gamora into like the past version of Gamora into like being Helping on their them. side. Yeah, yeah. This movie was kind of more about her like living that out to fruition, like mm-hmm. experiencing what that looks like. Like she's no longer this sort of antagonistic force within the team. And it's funny because she sort of trades places with Gamora in that respect. Yeah. Big time. She and is then, definitely the, the strong lead now. Yeah. Like she's just not, she doesn't have this like reluctant hero thing going on anymore. She's like all in on the team. Like, yeah. And Gamora is the one who's not. And then I think it's funny that later when Gamora's like, they're describing old Gamora and it's like, that's not me. It sounds more like her, like talking to Nebula. Oh my God. And it's yeah. like, yeah, actually you guys did kind of do a little flippity flop. That was so funny. I'm sorry. I just never realized how black your eyes were. It's really pretty. He picked a really pretty color. I'm just saying you picked a really nice set. <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, but I, I like how they kind of have swapped places and obviously mm-hmm. we'll talk about Gamora more soon, but um. But yeah, I liked how Nebula just kind of has reached her sort of self-actualization here. And the little arc that she does go through is where she underestimates Drax, right? Which is what I put her like right in front of him because she gives him a lot of shit. Um, I mean, she kind of gives everybody a lot of shit and she wants everybody to be intelligent. And that's kind of her journey is to realize like everyone has strengths that she's not acknowledging. Mm -hmm. To be fair, (laughs) Drax and Mantis are both very stupid. Like I just, it needs to be said. And it's actually made as a a physical joke throughout the movie. Every single time that they fall into something or break into something, Mantis lands on her head. Oh my God. Every single time. I I can't believe she's alive. She's going to break her neck. Like why do they keep doing that to her in a movie that had really, really high stakes? Mantis's physical safety. was like (laughs) (laughs) It's like nobody cared at all. It's like, oh, okay, well, good, great. Um, Sick. Awesome. But yeah, I do like how 
um nebula really has to like recognizes drax's strength as a dad because this is like Mm. all about family it's fast and the furious movie at its heart oh my god and like at the end she specifically asks drax to stay with her on nowhere and help raise the Mm. kids because he's doing such a good job with them um yeah she says he was not born to be a destroyer he was born to be a dad yeah, and I like her, like, that's, like, true leadership, right? To mm. recognize individual strengths and foster them and be like, yeah. no, you're not a destroyer. You're a dad. It's mm. it's Nebula who says that, right? Yeah, she says yeah. it to him when they're talking about how Drax will go. Because Drax wants to go with Mantis. Yeah. And Nebula's like, no, I need you here. Yeah, I like how she, after giving him so much shit, is like, no, you need to stay here. You, I actually need to leverage these skills. Like, that's how you be, like, a true leader, not trying to force, like, square pegs around holes. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I really liked that with Nebula. And um, and I also just liked her, like, like I said, like, all of her, she's, like, done, she's, like, off all of her bullshit. She's yeah. done with all of her emotional barriers and, all, like, yeah. she did, the, she went to, to therapy. Oh, um, big time, dude. Big yeah. time. And we hear how much she cares about Rocket throughout. Like, dude, when they all hear Rocket's voice again, she has the biggest nervous breakdown. Like, she has the biggest emotional breakdown of all of them. Yeah, she so put her bullshit away that she's really there to, like, embrace her emotions. And, like, I, like, I don't feel like Nebula a few movies ago could have, like, admitted how much she cared about any of these people. Definitely Even not. in, like, Infinity War. And now she's, like, so invested and and never forget, which I did until after the movie, but that she and Rocket spent five years together in the book. Yeah, I actually had to remind myself of that towards the end. I was like, why is she freaking out like this? And then I was like, oh, my God, it was just the two of them. Yeah. It was literally just the two of them. Of all the Guardians, they were the only two that survived. Just, like, so wild, right? Yeah. Like, I just, I really loved that, and I loved... I love Drax. I love, like, he always wanted to just be a dad. Like, his whole motivation mm-hmm. in the first movie was about his daughter having been killed and that he wanted yeah. to seek revenge and he's the destroyer. And it's like to see him be like, no, I just want to, I'm just going to be a dad. I'm just going to be my goofy yeah. ass self. Like, and I don't have to destroy anybody, but also don't fuck with me. It was great. <laughs> yeah. And they like, definitely like, so even more than really any of the other movies that we've gotten to this point, we not only get to see Drax like emotional competence, but dude, je- holy shit. I don't know if he was hitting like P90X in between these movies, but dude opens a blast door by himself <laughs> and then just fucking goes ape shit on all of these hellspawn things like he's fighting on his own it's so awesome to see i was like dude is drax just like incredibly powerful now what I the fuck always has been like drax has done some crazy shit like drax went inside that monster and was like half digested by it and yeah and like he's been shot a lot and like he got shot in the chest and the back in this. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, Which is I why thought everybody thought he was going to die. Yep. I, in the, when that happened. Yeah. I thought he there was going to die. There were at least three die. people I thought were going to die in this. Yeah. That he was, was definitely one of them. big of a hit. I really thought he was going to die. Uh, but yeah. he made it. And you know what made me think about all of their relative strengths a lot was the Christmas special. Because, like, obviously, I know he's, like, stronger than a person and all, yeah. like, obviously and like tougher skin and all of that but like it was too funny when they're like shooting at them and like nobody it doesn't matter on earth like the guns on earth like couldn't even oh yeah they don't do anything it's just like a joke like yeah. it's 
yeah, I like and and Nebula too, and and sorry, not Nebula, Mantis was like really strong then too because yeah. they were together. They're like a little buddy cop thing happening. Well, yeah, and them. that was the other thing I really liked about this is in the comics, Mantis is a martial arts expert, and in this, you actually get to see her with martial arts. Like when they're fi- oh my god, dude, that's one of the best. Hallways that fight scene fucking was so. Shit fucking fire dude it was so good dude i hope we revisit it with every character we talk about and we can talk dude, about how cool they were we'll in that fight scene absolutely yeah she was amazing uh i will say this though to, mm, go ahead if i if i have to pick someone i do feel like drax's story is the weak of uh, like growth in this movie i think drax's is the weakest it's not weak in terms of like how impactful it is but like in the scale, the totem pole of like things that happen to somebody, I think it's Nebula and Drax are like right there. Cause Nebula just has to learn to accept being a leader and what like using strengths are. And Drax's is just, you're not a destroyer. You're a dad. And like, yeah, cause it's not like stop being an idiot. That never stops, even when he denies no. Mantis the Zargna in the elevator, which was like one of the funniest parts that of the movie. That was so funny. I'm out of his dying laughing. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> They're oh, all gone. And he just, and then he just eats face. another one. Yeah. Poor Mantis. Dude. Well, that's that's why I don't put Mantis with him, is because Mantis did grow a lot in this. No, she weren't she has a whole she was like maybe my favorite almost yeah. of the sort of secondary level guardians, right? Yeah. She was my favorite. Um but yeah, I would agree that Drax's is like, I would say it it comes super full circle. Like, I think the mm-hmm. message around Drax in the other movies has kind of been like, or like in the first movie especially, it's he comes off as like a destroyer who's a dad. Yeah. Like who who's surprisingly sensitive yeah. or had a family or whatever. This is like, he's a family guy who was destroying this yeah. and like bringing him back into that, I think was cool. I was super here yeah. for it. He made me laugh. He would like, I agree. It was kind of the, he weekend, calls all the kids, tiny morons. He was great. Like he had so much comedy. I loved his relationship with Mantis. Like yeah. he was, yeah, maybe the weakest in a very strong bunch of character arcs. Oh, like big he time. still had a really great arc that closed over three movies and made me laugh every time and was like yep. less uh less ridiculous in this one than in the second movie. I preferred him a lot in this to Guardians too. So I was like, I I think he was great. He was probably his best in this movie. Yeah. Um, even and that says a lot about the movie if he was like the worst of the group, but the yeah, best exactly. of his outings. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, everybody's doing great. This is a really good movie. But I loved his his relationship with Mantis. So let's talk about her. Um, and her search for identity. She's such a fucking hero. Yeah, she is. Like, I would have put her last to talk about if it wasn't that we have, like, some shit Others. to get into. With, I know. With Gamora, Star-Lord, and, and Rocket, which is the back half of the character discussions. But, <laughs> um, like, she was awesome. She is so much the heart of this family. And like she was yeah. like a comedic side character in the second movie and in, in the, uh, the second one, yeah. game. Because mm-hmm. she's like a late addition to the team. She's not in the first movie. Right. But she was so goddamn good in this. So everybody gets to use their powers. Right. Which we just touched yeah. on the tracks. Like he's so strong in this movie. He Everybody gets to show off. Mm-hmm. Drax is strong. Rocket's smart. Nebula is like a wicked machine. Like she has. So I yeah. love her upgrades that she has from Rocket. Are oh, epic. my God. 
Dude, like, I love the line. I know we're not talking about her yet, but I love the I mean, line we, where no, yeah, go ahead. we kind of have talked about her. Yeah, but where Gamora's like, why do you care about that badger? And she's like, that badger is the reason is like has given me a lot of the upgrades I have. Like he's the reason that I am who I am right now. And I'm yeah. like, dude, you guys love each other. This is and amazing. He's part of the family. She says that, right? She's like, yeah. she's like, he's not my family. You are. And she's like, so is he. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to hear about it. And yeah, we'll talk about the the many Gamoras mm-hmm. of our life. But <laughs> Um, <laughs> Mantis, I think the big thing for her is that she stands up every time something is like being thrown back at her. She's not just like, I'm going to take this. She is like self actualizing her worth and her power, right? Because everybody yeah. gets to use theirs so well in this mm-hmm. movie, and she uses her power better than anybody else uses theirs her empathy and it's not just in that like her literal superpower of like touching you and affecting your emotions but her emotional intelligence right and and i think that's kind of what you're getting at with your point too of like that she's she's self-actualizing she's not afraid to tell people the deal but she's also doing it from a place of like a really really high level of emotional intelligence and of Mm -hmm. like she's mediating She's not yeah. just out there like talking shit or like being powerful or strong or confident. She yeah. is more confident with no question, but she's mediating every time that she's out there, like being assertive, it's in a mediation. And she tells Nebula to like, stop being mean to Drax. And which I, I really liked that. Cause Nebula is like saying that Drax is dumb and yeah. she's like, yeah, he is, but he's not like, but he makes us laugh and he's a part of the family and he's a part of the team and like, shut up, even if he is kind of an idiot. Yeah. Right. This is not making me feel better. Forget. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, I thought that was really sweet too, that she, like, she cares about other people. Like she's super mm-hmm. empathetic and she gives a shit enough to say like, yeah, I'm going to say this and I'm going to have this moment that needs to be had because fucking Nebula needs to be told the deal, right? She's mediating. Right. She's yeah. out there being like really raw and real and trying to resolve conflict, but she's also kind enough to make Drax forget that it happened mm-hmm. and just and and like take care of him while getting the point across to Nebula, which actually ends up being like, even though it's a little bit, you could argue about the ethics of the forget thing, right? I don't choose to because I like yeah. it, but it well, could. yeah. Um, but I, but I think it's it's nice how she like she gets both things done, right? Like she sets up a situation where later the two of them, Drax and Nebula, are going to work together, and they're both going to be happier for what Mantis mm-hmm. just did. Everybody's going to be better for it. Yeah. So even if it is a little ethically, like I don't know, there's a conversation there maybe. But she's like so. Um, like she she drives this whole thing with Quill as well, right? She's the one who tells him, "Hey, you're so mad that everybody abandons you, but you yeah. abandoned your grandfather. Like you got taken from Earth and you never went back." And I I I'm really glad that she raised this, and we'll talk about like what that ending means for Quill. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that she brought this up, even if that wasn't the end of the story, because I've been thinking about it ever since. First of all, oh, I've been Guardians thinking about it since Endgame. Yeah, yeah, like since Endgame. And also just now that there's so much, like we saw there's like a spaceport at New Asgard. Like they could have come and gone. Like he he could just go and say hi. It's mm. not like you get marooned there. Like, yeah, he chose not to go back. Yeah, he's really choosing not to go back. And 
I like how she kind of pushes on this and won't really let it go and is like trying to create a situation. Like she's the one who sends Drax in to talk to him with like his analogy. Right. And he's like, I didn't know you could, you could form thought like that. Isn't that what he says? Yeah. He's like, I didn't know you could think or yeah, I'm actually, I'm almost positive. That's the exact line. I didn't know you could form thought like that. Yeah. Like (laughs) I really like that. Um, And then, even when she tames the beasts, which is like unbelievably fucking yeah. fire, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was so cool. Um, and I and I love the way I do. I do want to say when she uses her power, I really like when she they're like breaking into the place. Oh my she god, she makes security. him fall in love with the with Drax, and he's just like, oh my god. I love how oh, resigned no. he is when the guy, like the guard, <laughs> asks him, "What's your name?" and he's like, "Drax the Destroyer." <laughs> like, <laughs> what a lovely name. And he's like, I'll "Oh my here. god!" Like they've done this so many times. Like he's been, this is like their uh, their get help. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is absolutely their get help because he even says when they're walking away, he's like, "Every time, every and time." He's like laughing to herself. Drags I love destroyer. that. That's a thing. Tracks the destroyer. I lo- I died laughing, but I really like how like when she does tame. What are the beasts called? Abelisks. The abelisks. When she tames the abelisks, which was a wicked cool callback to the second movie. Big time. It isn't by using her power initially. Like, yes, I'm sure she calms them down a little bit, right? Well, but- when she touches them, yeah, she's like, okay, I know. But she's like, they eat batteries. Like, they're not going to eat us. Yeah, she understands that they're mm-hmm. probably scared. She has, like, an empathetic understanding of these animals and knows what to do before she has to use her powers and she's right of course because like it's not like she's they're all riding on one of them and she's controlling it they're all riding different obelisks yeah like three of them so that was super cool stakes felt really high during that i like that they brought back a monster that we'd seen Mm -hmm. them fight before and i was like oh fuck it took like a whole opening musical number for the whole team to build beat one of these last time like how are you gonna take out three of them and like the start of the third act (laughs) Like, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. And I I just liked seeing um, how much of the movement in story was around her emotional intelligence. Like, she really, mm. like, drives a lot of the plot, a lot of the, the, a lot of the character development, I guess I'd say, if not the plot. No, she definitely does. Because at the end, like, she doesn't have really any, she doesn't have any kind of, like, communication with Gamora directly. But she does talk to Peter a lot. And she talk, She has that like conversation with Nebula at the end. And I think both of those are critical to how they ended up at the conclusion of the movie. I think so, too. I think, yeah, I think she drives the outcomes. I think that's mm-hmm. the way to say it. Yeah. yeah. She really drives the outcomes in this movie. And I just really enjoyed seeing a character do that who is like, first of all, obviously female for me. Always cool. Second of all, like. She's not super physical. It's not a Carol Danvers or even a Gamora with like her yeah. physical power. Like I really enjoyed seeing a female character drive the outcomes of the film through their emotional intelligence and do it in like a low key way that like fits with the themes and the story and her powers. And like it was just like really, really, really well done. Like yeah, Bravo, James Gunn. I, I loved Mantis. Yeah. Uh, and I liked her coming into her own and coming full circle and having the confidence, which is what she lacked when she was with Ego. Mm-hmm. Right. That's been her arc a little bit to not just tell everybody the deal, but to go seek her own sort of fortune. And I like how she says, um, you know, I always did what ego wanted. Then I did what the guardians wanted and I love you. But now it's but time I to find to. out what I want. Yeah. Give this girl a Zargnut. 
Oh, for real, dude. Like, like she was great in this movie. Yeah. I also like the shot of her leaving. I don't know why, but like her just standing there and waving to Drax and then just going bloop and the obelisks like come out of the buildings and follow her. I was like, this is so great. And I'm so pissed that we're not going to see her again. It was the ultimate showing of how badass and great and independent and smart, not this useless like pet like she's been, right? Like she was described in the second one. Mm -hmm. Um, God damn, that was cool. I really liked that exit. That was badass. Yeah, that was sick as fuck. Yeah, she's going to go run the galaxy with these little things. And I keep having to remind myself as I say goodbye to each character that there's nothing that means they can't all see each other again or that they won't. Like, it's likely that they would. They're just not going to be a family. They're not going to all live together at Guardians HQ, which I I loved Guardians HQ. (laughs) That nowhere is like a drivable ship now. Yeah, Yeah, that shit was nowhere fly? What was that? I have no idea, but it's awesome. And then it's fucking eyeball as a cannon. I was like, okay. Yeah, I kind of was like, I don't really care how we got here. (laughs) Yeah. I was (laughs) just glad we've arrived. It's fine. (laughs) <laughs> it's been some time like obviously they're gonna weaponize whatever the fuck they can and rocket was with them so clearly rocket was part of this oh yeah that's true he probably could have engineered it to do this uh prior well yeah he definitely could have but here's the other thing we'll get into this a little bit more when we get to him but this movie does a phenomenal job of showing how fucking smart peter is too i like, know it does doesn't it let's yeah. do, i that's actually most of my my comments on him so we'll get we'll get there yeah. um because i agree uh, mm-hmm. And I wrote copious notes about it. Um, but let's let's hit on Groot before we get into the sort of varsity team. Because Groot, I would say, it, this might be his induction to varsity in this movie. Oh, for sure, dude. He's like, finally back at like full. Yeah. He's finally back up to regular size. He's actually even bigger than he was before. Um, And he just... I still love that, like... <laughs> they say he just says I am Groot and the funniest thing about this to me is that Gamora thinks they're all lying about oh, what yeah, he talks just, he's not actually saying that he's not he's just saying I'm Groot like, right I got it I know your name <laughs> but then like it's just three words but he actually said like three sentences about a planned nebula and she's just like okay seriously you guys it's are like just making this up now and it's like what the fuck yeah. I am Steve Rogers Still, maybe the best line I in am. MCU history. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's up I there. Steve I think Rogers might movies. be better than it's up there with what? Sorry, I cut you off. It, no, it might. It's up there with like character greetings, but I still think one of the funniest ones is Jesus, kid, or Jesus, Tony. How old is this kid? I don't know. I didn't have time to carbon date him. <laughs> okay, I really liked that. I really mm. liked. I am Steve Rogers. That was really. I have to give you that. I one. liked. That one I, is, I knew it. For uh, when Captain America picks up the. Oh, uh, yeah. Mjolnir oh, was a big I moment. Like Avengers yeah. Assemble is a big moment. Uh, now you got me thinking about it. I'm just like, I am Steve Rogers. Steve and the funniest Rogers. thing is like the best part about that. And it sucks because we never got to. We weren't doing this show when Endgame came out. But yeah, we'll the first thing. There, well, yeah. The first thing I thought of when I saw that scene was like, dude, good for Steve for not like judging this talking tree. He's just like, I need to be nice and introduce myself to this talking fucking tree (laughs) i i just before i get on a crazy infinity war tangent but i will say this that the confluence of thor the god of thunder landing in the middle of wakanda holding like with groot and fucking rocket on his shoulder 
with the axe yeah. and Steve Rogers is there to be polite is the yeah. greatest confluence of of franchises and IP that we will ever see. I will die on that hill. It will never get better than that. Like, honestly, it might never get mo- better than that moment in the MCU. In terms of just confluence of things and just how well they work together and just, like, you shouldn't be able to put all this on screen together. But, like, I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. It's the best moment in the MCU. I fucking swear to God. I can't even remember how we got here now. <laughs> What's the line <laughs> that we thought was good that we're... No, we there's just, like, how way. he just says, I am Groot. And then Steve was like, I am... Steve Rogers, because Gamora's like, I know your name, dude. Like, I got it. Let's clarify here. Um, Groot does not speak English at the end of this movie when he says, Yeah, thank you for Matt for this one, by the way, because I didn't see this. Yeah, I saw this in a couple places. I heard about this today, and Matt let us know uh, that just like Gamora, uh, we have now become enough part of the Guardians family to understand Groot. So Gunn confirmed this too today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's that Groot says, I am Groot. And we understand that it means I love you guys. And we're hearing it said. But I would have really liked for someone in the movie to clarify this rather than having Gunn do it. I think anytime you have to have your director explain some shit, I like, like, where's the focus group on this? Cause I understand getting enough into your own work yeah. to like not see the gap, but like, where's the focus group? Because they should have had, it doesn't matter which of the side characters, like Craglin, I think understands group, but maybe he does. And it- give it to Howard the duck. I could have had Howard the duck oh standing God, in the corner of the room after he said, I love you guys. Uh, and have a, a attention breaking moment where he's just like, what is this guy just always saying what his name is? And like, make it clear to yeah, us like that make people it clear. who are not in the family didn't understand that. Yeah, yeah, I would have liked for them to make that a little more clear in the moment. But whatever, I still loved it. Um, oh, that would have been so good. I'm thinking about that right now too. He's just sitting there drinking a martini. He's like, "What is that? All he says?" Yeah, l- right. Yeah, that would have been the line. Like, oh. and it would have been so funny, and it would have really made that clear to the audience. I mm-hmm. think they missed a beat there. James Gunn shouldn't have had to explain that to us today. But that aside, that very minor nitpick aside, Groot was a fucking badass in this. Uh, I have loved his story arc, and he has been the heart of this franchise, despite the fact that baby Groot only appears for like one fucking second in the first movie. And people act like we've had like, like oh, that's all he's been. Like we've had the evolution of Groot from the first movie growing up, but really it's not that way. And it's it's amazing what James Gunn's done with this character. Like he's so Mm -hmm. great. I love him so endlessly. It's so much fun to watch him grow up. And I really enjoy the fact that this Groot is fundamentally not the same as OG Groot, which is very like Gamora, right? It actually is super in line with with the Gamora storyline and with a lot of what we're going to see in the multiverse, interestingly. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously not intentional. Uh, by James Gunn, but it's interesting how that plays in. But it's like this is not the same guy. Like he looks different, he acts different. Like he is a totally different Groot. It's not the other Groot regrown. It's a new person. Yeah, and I think it is important to to kind of break that down, especially because now it's a Groot that was raised by the Guardians, and you see it throughout the movie. Like Rocket, as the movie opens, he's listening to music they're all influenced by peter's music and they're all influenced by like the lives that they've built around each other and that's showcased more or less entirely like in its full circle in groot groot is a completely different groot than he was when we saw him on xandar in the beginning of the first guardians movie 
he's he's first of all he's more like hilarious but he has more personality yeah other group seems like older um He's very much like an early 20s Groot. Like the other one, in Endgame we had him as, or Infinity War in Endgame we had him as a teenager. Because um, when Star-Lord is like, you turn that game off, you're going to rot your brain. He's like, I am Groot. And they're all like, whoa! Oh, yeah. He's like, ever since you got a little sap. And like, yeah, yeah. no, he's like in his <laughs> early 20s. But I feel like the original Groot was like old. Like that yeah. Groot, I, now mm-hmm. like seeing this Groot and all his attitude, I feel like that Groot was like in his 60s and he was like, or at least in our time. I know they, yeah. I loved the joke in the movie where they're like, like people what, die people in their they're 50s. like, are you going to die soon? Oh, 50? I'm not 50. And like, <laughs> you get the feeling that Mantis is probably like 200, right? Mm. Like going through, like she probably is as yeah. well. Like, I, so it's, I enjoy, <laughs> they're all so much more powerful and like cool than humans are. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can't wait to talk about Quill, but uh, yeah, I I love Groot. He's incredible, and this version of him is just the best. Like I have loved watching his personality develop over that. Yeah. I loved teenage Groot. I loved his moment in Infinity War where he makes Stormbreaker, and like that we see him um, have this like big hero moment, and you can tell he's like really grown up since then, right? Like he looks more grown up, but he's also. Uh, he's gained so much a sense of responsibility. Like he's not playing on the game boy all the time. Like he's really there with the team. Like he's fucking killing it. And that fight scene that he had with Quill. Oh my God. In the evolutionaries observatory. Yeah. Before the ship takes off was yeah. insane. That when was he awesome. Pulled like seven guns out of his body cavity. I thought I was going to die in the theater. Yeah. Like I was just like, this is the fucking sickest thing. I've ever seen in my life and the way he's like growing shields around Mm -hmm. Quill and they're fighting together in that like spinny thing that Guardians does all the time and they did it in Infinity War when they arrive in Wakanda like it looks so cool and it's usually Rocket on Groot's shoulders and they're firing but this was really cool the way it was Groot with fucking like like Octa Groot but with Star Lords there too and they're (laughs) fighting together and like I love this cool father-son relationship that that's that Peter has, and I just called him Star Lord, which speaks to I what know. a badass he was being while that was happening. He she was only calls Star-Lord. me Star Lord when she's angry. She I is always angry. I love that. <laughs> uh, but they they are so cool together, and I love their father son thing that they have that is somehow like uniquely different, but inexplicably so from the father son mm-hmm. relationship that he has with Rocket. Right, like it's it's not yeah. the same, uh, mm-hmm. and I. I really, really, really like it that you can have these like two really different relationships with two of your many father figures, right? Because Drax is in there too. And you see him like snuggling on Drax when he's a baby. And like, it's just, I just really, 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 really like what they've done with Groot. And I really liked yeah. watching him fight in this movie because he was a fucking badass. What, how, did you die when they said he was going full kaiju? Oh my God, dude. I was, thinking I was about you. I, so I watched that and I was like, don't do this. And then Nebula's like, don't. Don't do it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that shit was awesome. And then like dude, seeing like Monster Groot at the uh the first post credit scene, I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, like a he big sleepy just dragon. keeps getting bigger. Yeah, he just keeps getting bigger. It's awesome. Yeah. He was so <clears throat> cool. Uh he was I will just say so that's epic. one of my biggest problems with the movie though. I'll save that for a little bit later when we get into like the 
less important stuff, but that po- there's a part of that post credit scheme that really bothered me. Okay, don't let us forget, and we'll because mm-hmm. t- I don't think I made a post credit section, which we need to have, so we'll talk about those. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah I just big hero moments for Groot in this movie. Like he is fully part of the team. He's really evolved from all all of his younger selves. Right? It's great. He's all full yeah. grown, and I love him. Um. And I'm I'm I hope that we see more Groot in the MCU. So we'll talk about where everybody's going to go. We'll hit on everybody towards yeah, the end. Yeah, we'll kind of where everybody's set up and who is and who is not confirmed to be back. Yeah. Um. Speaking of not back, uh, Gamora. Yeah, Gamora. Raise your hand if you thought this movie would be about trying to find her. Yeah, we're all raising our hand. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. I. What do you think about this? I thought it was kind of brave to have her just be like, yeah, she's already there. Yeah. Yeah. So I genuinely, when I first started watching this, did not like it. I didn't like that. She's this like not wild woman, but she's this like outlaw, angry Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing without Clyde. Like, she's just angry, and that's not how the past Gamora was either. So, like, why did she suddenly become that way? She kind of was, though. Like, think about Gamora when she stole the Soul Stone from Quill. And you have to remember that the first scene that we saw Gamora was her stealing the stone from Quill, right? No, it's it's Thanos sending her and Nebula to get uh, the stone. Sure, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, you'll just fuck this up. I'm going to go do it. At that point, she has decided to leave Thanos. And something I think we got to keep in mind is that this Gamora never did that. No, she was on the brink of it. And that's why in Endgame, she lets Nebula go. But but go on. So, yeah, she's she's angry right off the bat. Yeah. And that was kind of like my one thing. And I told Matt about this when he and I were talking about on Saturday night when I saw it was my one hang up was that Quill kept and like this is what helped me get out of that I don't like this Gamora it's um Quill kept trying to treat her like he she's the old Gamora yeah and like the line about her can, or him continually saying like you don't remember like she wouldn't remember that's a There's completely different remember. person yeah I was thinking that too I was like why should she rem- I agree that they didn't like clarify that enough. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, they had a lot of expectation of everyone understanding the multiverse in this with like, but she does say that was someone from the future. Or that was She's like an alternate like, timeline, future version of me. But I agree. Quill saying you should remember showed that he fundamentally doesn't understand what just happened. Like I'm kind of mm-hmm. like Peter. Yeah. That's Watch not, but movies, he also bro. got snapped. Like it's possible that he just is confused. <laughs> like it is very know. possible. Yeah. But, like, other than that, like, as I started realizing, like, this Gamora has never had this freedom before. She's never had this agency before. She's now just kind of like Mantis trying to build and create her own persona and her own Mm -hmm. life. That's when I started. And you get that when she's walking around the ship by herself and she's looking through Quill stuff. And you're like, okay, she is still, like, a good, heartwarming person. Mm Mm-hmm. She just didn't spend the time that everyone else did. So she didn't grow to love them 
the way that Nebula has. And that's when I was started. I finally was like, okay, I'm all right with this. This is a different Gamora who wants to be a Ravager, but she's still a good person at heart. She's yeah, also just a Ravager. I think where you catch Gamora, like when she goes into the future, right? Is yeah. like at a real turning point for her. Like she is considering bailing on Thanos and would soon in the regular yeah. timeline, right? Like very soon. But she's that means she's on the precipice. She hasn't decided one way or another mm-hmm. um, what to do. And she could really go any direction. But what, what we know, like fundamentally she does is discover a found family. And that's what this version of Gamora does too. It's just a different family. And I think it was so devastating because it was like she just couldn't hear them. Like I wanted her to like, I was like pulling my hair out, like, but your sister's with them and they're all telling you that these, this was your family. And that when you left Thanos, this was your found family. And like, this is where you found that. And we're here and we're, mm-hmm. we all want you to come back. Like this whole group of people wants you. And she just like, couldn't accept that. Um, she just couldn't give them a chance. She couldn't hear it. And it just, it just broke my soul. But I also thought it was really realistic and, and good writing. It is. Like, yeah. And that's kind of what yeah. took me a while to get behind it was like, I had to realize like, okay, this actually is exactly how it would shake out. She doesn't know him. The first thing she does when she sees Peter is attack him in Endgame. And they're all pressuring her to be part of this group and telling yeah. her you love us and I love you and you and I are in a relationship and you and I are sisters and we, like that's ridiculous to her at yeah. this point with with I mean she's open to it but that's not her reality with Nebula yeah I think that's the big part about it is first of all I love <laughs> they don't say hi they don't hug they don't anything they just go they and nod at each, each other. other that's like the funniest fucking thing and if someone had been at the movie theater with me that's how I would have said goodbye to them <laughs> Is exactly like that shit cracked me up because it, it was, I think the best part about it is, is it's just a flat out acknowledgement of equals now. Like she grunts at her, she grunts back. It's like, okay, we're both powerful people. We're both like our own people too. It's not just yeah. like sister, like that's all they are to you. It's like, no, you, we have mutual respect for each other now. But it's still a huge step back from where they were at the start of Infinity War. Like, it's just, it's it's a bummer, right? It's like, yeah. but it's not the same person. So it's this, like, really different relationship, which I think is super real. And part of her refusal to take her sister's word for it, because that's what I wanted, yeah. right? I'm like, but you have these people who are telling you that this was where you found happiness. Don't you want to see what that looks like for this other person, this other version of you? And she is just like, no, like if you're telling me to do it, I'm not going to do it. Like she's being defiant. Yeah. And something about that, that I, that like helped me make sense of that. Cause it's, I always thought it was, I didn't think it was bad writing. It just hurts my soul, but I really I, well, think yeah. it makes sense when you think about <laughs> what Mantis says. Uh, which is that they all hate themselves. I thought this was one of the most poignant lines in the film. Manus talking about the Guardians and says, we, we all, you all hate yourselves. Everyone, yeah. you, except Drax, except Drax, right? Yep. That's her art. That's when she's fighting with Nebula. And she says, all yeah. of us, but Drax hate ourselves. And I think Gamora is part of that equation because she can't like accept that love. Cause I don't think she has it for herself. Like, I think that's very real that she can't just be like, okay, I don't know any of you. I totally hate myself. I've done none of the work. All of the last five years of therapy that I did are gone now. Um, (laughs) And like, we're starting again from scratch 
and you're telling me that like I deserve love and that like this sexy man from Parks and Recs wants me and like it's just like that like you know the guy who wrangled the dinosaur wants to fuck me like really oh like God, I, I can't I, if I was her I wouldn't be able to take that in either it's a it's a lot of pressure um and it's a lot of it's a really a very high level of being wanted that I think is very uncomfortable if you don't have a lot of self-love and like if you're not used to getting that attention, especially, you know, that kind of positive, like, please, we want you, we want you, we want you is like, I think probably pretty hard to accept. It's definitely difficult for her to, to hear it from all of them. The one thing I will say that I disagree with you on is the acceptance of like a family at all, because when she returns to the ravagers and Stakar at the end of the movie, they're all stoked to see her and they're all hugging her. And she's, she's laughing about seeing them and being back with them. So I think it's just a circumstance of like, she didn't know what to do when Thanos was killed in Endgame, And she left. That is the only thing I wish we had gotten explained. How yeah, did she absolutely. disappear? Where did she go? All of that stuff. Well, but- okay, wait. I have a thought on that, but back to what you were saying, though. I, I would, I would further your thought and say that it's probably a lot easier. Like, yeah, she's stoked to go back to the Ravagers. Those are like her buddies who she's partying with. I think that's that's really what I mean. Like, she's than- built the relationship with them. She's- well, no, no, no. But I mean, in terms of like accepting love or family, like your found family, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's more natural for her to go and find like a new found family, which is what the ravagers yeah. are that she chose for herself versus these people who are trying like, to force saying, it on her. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying the ravagers aren't excited to see her, don't want her to be back, but that they, none of them are saying to her who knows nothing about what's going on, who just got plucked out of time and right. space. Right. None of them are saying you and I are in love. Yeah. Right. Or like we have we are family. They don't know Gamora. They're not saying, oh, we knew the old you come back and be with us. Like we loved you so much. You had this other life that you can't imagine where you were so loved and you had all of this family and these relationships. They're just like, yeah, Gamora's a badass. Let's go. Like they don't. I think I think those are two really different found families for her. There's so much pressure from Quill and and from. Yeah. And I think that's like I think that's what's not fair. Um, And that's why I was like, and you start to feel for it at the beginning. Like you're not quite sure like what it is that Peter's like upset about. Like, is he upset that they can't find Gamora? Is he upset that they did and she doesn't want to be with him or whatever. I will never emotionally recover from this. Oh my God. I know, dude. Jesus. She, we find out that it's because they have found her and they have talked to her. And she is telling them, it's my life, dad. Get the fuck out of my room. Like, and I get that. And the, and that's where my annoyance started to turn more to Peter than her. Yeah. Was like, dude, you need. And that's why the, the conversation with Mantis, when he's changing out the shells um, to get through the barriers to Orgo Corp. That's why that conversation is so important is because you see all this pushback that he gives her because he refuses to acknowledge that his life is completely different now. And he needs to stop running from the things that have hurt him. And he can't. That's why he's been drinking. He can't do that. And so that was God damn it, dude. This movie was so well written. It was so sad. Like I was I felt so bad 
Yeah. For drunk, sad Quill. <laughs> yeah. It was just fucking heartbreaking. Like, yeah. I just, oh, and I, oh, those were totally, like, the parts that were the most tear-jerky for me in this was, like, was Quill. And just, he's just so ruined by the fact that she's right there, but she doesn't want him. Yeah. She is dead. His Gamora is dead. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he has processed that. You know, no, and he's like, he so this, hasn't. This other, I don't think he's even recognizing it. And I think that's part of why he's saying she doesn't remember. She doesn't remember. It's like, Pete, she wasn't there. Like, this is not her. And yeah. it's like at all anymore, especially I think taking her at such a pivotal hinge moment in her life and having all of this crazy shit happen. This is a different person. Like that was somebody who was on the precipice and they went a very different way in this reality than in the reality that Peter lived through. And it's just like, this is not her, but I'm so devastated that like she's just around and he knows where she is. It's not a mission. It's not, he's got to go find her. He's so committed to it. She's just, she's there. She's with the Ravagers. She's around. She's in like my part of space. Mm Mm-hmm. Like they see, they like work together. Like it's, they've probably seen each other a bunch. They clearly have because he's been all over her trying to get her to to give them a chance but like well no actually they haven't because when they arrive inside orgo corp peter is shocked that she's the one that is there to help them he's like you've been talking to her this whole time and and nebula's like yeah she's my contact but gamora is like stop it leave me alone like they've obviously had this yeah, conversation they've had it. the yeah they like, found her a yeah. couple times and at least have had that conversation with them yeah i don't think they ha- i think they know where she is i don't think it's a mystery i think they found her once and now they know what group she operates in like it's like she's around she's not like they don't know the ravagers like no i know but when she know? when they first see him peter's like so you're a ravager now because like so oh, he, i guess that's a good maybe they haven't c- talked since she joined them yeah so he just knows that she's out there and doesn't want anything to do with them so that's i think that's the tragic the most tragic part about it is and now that i'm thinking about it in all of our theories back in like love and thunder about like where they're gonna go from here mm-hmm. this is the only story that makes sense totally like the only way they could have gone because they can't just make 2014 or they can't just make 2014 Gamora pick right back up where dead Gamora was because it's not the same person. No, of course not. Yeah, like so there was, I, that was never going to happen. It was always yeah. going to be like just the fact that that finding her wasn't a big deal. She just is there, and I found that yeah. so sad and heartbreaking for Quill that like mm-hmm. uh, you find her, and this thing that was supposed to be this like crazy mission turns out to like not be all that crazy of a mission. Here's another thing I will say that I'm really glad that this movie didn't do but in weird spots kind of set up like that was going to be the the crux of what was going to happen with them it does in multiple parts set up that maybe nebula and star lord have romantic feelings for each other because when she puts him to bed he grabs her arm and he's like i love you gamora and the nebula is like she waits for a minute but then like later they actually do have the look on each other like she's like it sounds more like you're in love with her and quill's like well hold on Am I? And if then, they were going to do Guardians 4, I would get down with that. No, see, I'm glad that they didn't because this wasn't about romance. This was about family. And I think that's yeah, why true. it's great that at the end, Peter lets Gamora go. Mm-hmm. It's not about that anymore. Because like, like even at the moment. end of uh, 
Infinity War, or not Infinity War, but uh, Volume 2, I was like, oh, Drax and Mantis are going to fall in love. And that's not how that ends either. You get the feeling that they have romantic feelings for each other, but also Mantis is brutally honest about how stupid he is, and it's fucking hilarious. They're the two that I could most see getting together, but I really liked, I liked how they had that moment at the end where it was like kind of assumed they would go together. Like Drax Mm -hmm. is like, I'll go with you. Like, I'm not going to, like, he was 100% on board to go with her uh, when Mantis said she was going to leave. And and then Nebula, of course, is like, no, I need you here, which I thought was ultimately the perfect way to end that, that, like, he Mm -hmm. offers to go with her, but that he needs to stay for all the reasons that we talked about with those three characters. Well, and he even says it's to protect her. And she's like, I can fight. And he's like, no, but to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did really like that, but. I liked that moment. Lovely. Let's. Let's move into Star-Lord. The legendary Star-Lord. The legendary Star-Lord. I love Peter Quill in this movie. Yeah, he's awesome. I will say, and I'm just going to get this right out of the bat, or right out of the gate first, he does not use his mask once this whole movie. Yeah, I do have to say, that, because his fake-out death didn't need to be happening at all. It didn't need to happen. Yeah. Why doesn't he have that? I was like, him to turn it on. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand. Or his boosters, like where were his? I just, I just didn't. I don't understand, Peter. Mm-hmm. Like, why was that? That was sloppy. It was weird. That was yeah. And I honestly, like, genuinely, and I'll, I'll give you guys a little spoiler right now. That's why I couldn't give this a perfect ten. Is because he literally didn't have it just for the fake out at the I end. I might have to take away my perfect ten to a nine point nine for that. I really because I was gonna, I was gonna say yeah. this was a perfect ten, but honestly. You're not wrong. It's like that's like the main thing about his character. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like it's why uh, he lived in the second one. Yeah, it's and, like a canon thing that you can survive out in space for a hot minute when if you have that on. Yeah, or the first one. Sorry, that's how he saves Gamora. Yeah, and like, also, I wish that it had been Groot that had rescued him from that. No way, dude! I cried. Oh man, that was another fucking terrible part. I was grabbing onto Justin. Like I was like holding, I had like a death grip on Justin's arm. <laughs> it's just like if Peter Quill dies right now, I fucking rage quit the MCU. Dude. Like I can't handle that. And when his face swelled up, I really yeah. thought he was dead because I have watched uh, For All Mankind and I'm familiar with, with what it looks what like when your face explodes because you've been out in space for too long and your duct tape suit didn't save you. <clears throat> but it's not that I didn't like the fake out death. I just would have rather seen like Gamora rescue him like he rescued her or Groot succeed in that hero fucking moment mm-hmm. or I don't know or not have had me that seriously concerned. I was way too seriously worried yeah. that he was going to die to handle that joke. I really so, was like, that wasn't funny. That was kind of I was like, yeah, not OK. The reason that I genuinely thought it was real was the way Mantis screams his name. Yeah. Like normally people are just like, oh my God. Exploded. Well, but yeah. Then- and that happens like right after, but then Mantis, like it genuinely, like there is a legitimate visceral fear that he could die. Yeah. I, I had a weird like confluence of emotions about this too, because in half of my brain was going, okay, when your face puffs up like that, it's because you died. Like he's mm-hmm. dead. Like mm-hmm. any amount of realism that's a part of this, which well, I understand yeah. might be minimal. He's dead. And then I was like, Nope, he looks too ridiculous for this to be how Peter Quill dies. This is not Peter Quill's dying face. This is supposed to be funny. And I was like, it's not funny, James. So you're right. I'm taking it down from a 10 to a 9.9 because of that. Because you're right. It didn't It didn't work for me. It was too much like 
you can't have him look like that when he dies. It looks yeah. so ridiculous. But then also, how do you – like, that's ridiculous to the stakes of the movie if that can happen to you and you're alive. And then it was this, like, Sistine Chapel thing. And, like, to be fair, that was great. And, like, I just – I yeah, conflict around – that was not my favorite, but I was very convinced that he was going to die. Big time. Uh, and it was just, you're right, just slightly kind of offbeat. I don't know. It was, like, for a movie that took shit really seriously, it didn't take that – seriously enough i guess um but peter is to your earlier point in this um really impressive in his own right in this movie yeah he's super smart he gets to do a lot of really cool stuff and a lot of really cool fighting yeah he really does and i think i think a lot of this is him trying to put everything on his shoulders too like he says it when he's trying to rescue rocket he's like if i hadn't been fucked up and i hadn't been focused on gamora then i would have been there and i could have saved him from they all hate themselves and yeah and they do they fucking like they're really obsessed with it you know like being mad at themselves but i think the best the best way to explain it is how nonchalantly intelligent he is it's not like Wow, I didn't think you could do that. It's no one acknowledging that he can do it. It's just like him changing the beacons inside the ship so they can just slip through the shield. He's doing it with, yes. in the middle of a conversation. That was so cool. And yeah. the way that he did like talk himself into uh, getting control of the oh my like, god the yeah. or whatever when he's in there with Kimura and he's like. All right. Tell your likes- truth. Yeah, I'm not that big of an idiot. <laughs> yeah i loved that i love when he's like no i actually do know what the fuck i'm doing like i'm not a complete buffoon despite yeah. it and and like knows how to use that and like talk this girl up and use the situation that she thinks is happening and what she thinks that he's gonna do uh she's totally falling for me actually i thought you were kind of a douchebag <laughs> come on <laughs> i really liked that um and he was amazing again in the hallway fight scene Oh my god! Name a better fight scene in the MCU. The airport. That's, def- that's definitely up there. That's up there with the airport. That's up there with uh, the Statue of Liberty fight in No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Iron Man v Cap. Now I can't hear you. Okay, now I can hear you. Sorry, I pulled my headset down. I said uh, Iron Man v Cap. Ooh. Yeah, actually, there's two great one. scenes in Civil War now that I'm thinking. Yeah, Civil Fucking War has a, some man. cool fights. Um, and, you know, there's some other really good ones. Like, I would argue even the fight on the train in Ant-Man. And the first one is really good. <laughs> like, it yeah. is. Like, yeah, that's fucking no, cool. It is. I agree. Yeah. To be fair, also, Avengers... Uh, the Battle of New York is very cool. Like there yeah, are, but like, I'm talking okay. like a small scale fight. Like if you're talking yeah, about like a small a scale fight, then like I would even have to say um, Far From Home's fight with the drones in Mysterio at oh, the end of the definitely movie. Definitely that. Definitely that. No, no, no. Yeah. That's top five for me. Mm-hmm. I would say like my personal, like what do I get stoked when I'm watching? Because I don't think you can objectively compare them. Otherwise, there's too many differences. But of all the fights, big scale, small scale, whatever, yeah. the ones that I am like most fucking stoked about, this one in the hallway, mm-hmm. that one in No Way Home with the drones, yeah, the airport scene in, in Captain America and Civil War, and... Probably the end game battle, like for like I'm getting stoked, oh, like just like, yeah, being hyper up. Like those are those are probably all in my top five. But this one is in the top five. Like there's some cool fight scenes in the MCU, and this yeah. is fucking fire. Like 
I loved Peter in it as well. Uh, I love him with his. I just, but I do wish he'd had his his helmet on. His mask. Yeah, I know. I don't. Uh, whatever. But like, the other thing I really like is how I thought those were grenades that he's attaching to the people as he's running by them and shit. And then he, it's not. It's the callbacks to the thing that he, um electrocutes gamora with in the first oh, one yeah. when he first meets gamora and i was like fuck yeah dude he electrocutes a dude up his butt i think did i catch that no so he slaps him on the ass and then turns around and grabs one of the guy's shoulder and they're trying to get him off and then he lets them all go and it electrocutes like four of them <laughs> dude, was he, yeah so cool it was uh, good. and then like we said his fight with groot earlier was like really really cool yeah um, especially because he's just like kill them all and then Groot's like, oh, and he's gotcha. so pissed. I yeah. like I, he's scary pissed at that point because you really think Rocket's gonna die. Like mm-hmm. we're really getting there at that point. He is yeah. so emotional about it. Um, he just can't handle losing somebody else, and he makes it really clear that that's not what's happening. He's not gonna let that happen, and it, it's the saddest moment, yeah, just ever when he's screaming. When they think uh, when Rocket's, Rocket's having like, double oh, door, his like <laughs> his King's Cross station moment. Yeah, like when that's happening. Yeah, uh, he's and they showed that in the trailer, and it's what had people so scared. And it's like, yeah, yeah that was fucking terrifying. I really thought that Rocket might die. Like, oh, I was pretty too. convinced that's what was gonna happen. And like, oh, I just, I it was. I just I thought Peter was really great in this movie. He's so dedicated to his friends and like not losing his what he still has. Friend. His second best friend. <laughs> And then, and then going back to Earth and being like this because this yeah. is like facing his bullshit, right? Yeah. Like dealing with his demons. This is this is why you're like this. It's you. Why you're the problem. It's you. Like you <laughs> yeah. have wicked issues. And I'm not saying anyone would be stoked about their their best friend dying. Like that's everyone was worried about. Well, Rocket. Yeah. I loved that. I loved that. That was the the thing in this movie that the world wasn't ending. They're just they're fighting for each other. I loved it. Mm-hmm. But Peter was like going to handle that worse than the others. Like Peter was oh, like, this sure. is like, I'm saying no, like I kill them all. I'm putting my foot down. Like I'm pulling a fucking like, anyway, the point is Peter's super aggressive about this. And it was really um surreal seeing him like after all of this, like willingly let go of his yeah. found family and go home and go like face down his shit. Like this was some very cool full circle. Like, and and he just goes back. It was just so surreal seeing him without his tech and there's no spaceship and there's no big battle. It's just him and his grandpa. And the whole thing started with him losing his mom and being kidnapped. And it's just seeing him there with like so stripped down and like he's not a superhero. He's just some guy. He's yeah. just a fucking nerd. Peter Quill is just a nerd. Mm. A really, really ripped, smart, and capable nerd. Does he keep like anything? Does he keep the elemental pistols? Does he have any of his tech on him? Like I, we have no idea. And that's why I think it's so awesome that the post credits uh, final narration says that the legendary star Lord will re- return, not Peter Quill. I yeah. think it's important to note that it does say star Lord, meaning that that tech will come back. And that's why I said, it's going to have to be, somebody's kind of tech he comes in and helps it can't well, i don't let's think talk about be, that when we talk about yeah, we'll talk about that later the next because i have yeah. thoughts i have strong thoughts about that what i want to know though is 
what I think is interesting is like we said, we've been one, we've been kind of wondering why he's not going home since Endgame, and I think the yeah. big difference isn't whether Peter could have gotten back to Earth. Of course, at any point he could have gone to Earth, mm-hmm. but whether Earth would believe him. Or like, what does it look Where like for him been to just show shit, up there yeah. in a spaceship? Like, like if it's 1996, you can't just roll up to Earth in a spaceship. Like, you would have to think twice about that. I feel like yeah. if you were Peter Quill, um, and his mom told everybody, you know, oh yeah, your dad is a a man from the stars or an angel or whatever. And it's like now there's a spaceport at New Asgard. Like things have well, dramatically there's, changed. There's New that Asgard. Earth. Yeah, like, now there's new Asgard. Like there's yeah. yeah, there's a lot that has changed on Earth in terms of its understanding of uh the greater universe. So um Well, imagine being his I, grandpa and being like, My grandson's back. Where have you been? He's like, Well, I fought Thanos. Fucking space, man. Like that's yeah. my that's my question is like, what would that conversation have looked like? Like, yeah, I've been in space. Mom was telling the truth, like dad was an yeah. alien and I have been living in space as an alien superhero for the last <laughs> 30 years. Like, how do you explain that to somebody and be like, oh, I'm a sure, superhero. Dude. I fucking fought in the war or in the battle uh, of whatever, and, you know, <laughs> against Thanos and whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they have a name for it. Cause it's not the battle of Wakanda, but like I fought Thanos in New York. Yeah. In upstate New York. Like I fucking am one of the Avengers basically. How do you explain that? It's just so much to like, it was so grounding to see him without any of his stuff in just Mm -hmm. regular clothes and not, you know, his cool like pleather space pants and jacket and some US like like kitschy t-shirt, like all the way embracing the kitschy t-shirt. Yeah. I think, I think this is going to turn it. First of all, I would have preferred the post credit scene with him being him telling his grandpa about this stuff, not him mowing the lawn. That was just kind of like, okay, now he's doing like regular shit. All right. That kind of hit home hard, but I sort of agree. I would have liked to see yeah. like, it could have been funny to see a joke about like what had happened. Yeah. Where like, or, like his grandpa doesn't believe him that he fought Thanos because then Peter has to come to terms with it. And he does. And I think that's another important part. And we did kind of like gloss over it, but Peter fully acknowledges that it's his fault that they don't stop Thanos on Titan. Oh, I enjoyed that they commented upon that. Yeah. So I did really like that, but I think it would have been more interesting if he was regaling his grandfather with stories about what he's been doing and show that than him like doing yard work. I don't know why. Like I didn't hate it, but it also like, and this is what I said at the beginning of the episode, guys, this is a self-contained movie. This does not in any way set up anything for anybody else's movie. There's no connection to anybody else. If there's connections, it's going to be some background thing about how sword has to get help from the ravagers or some shit in the new miss Marvel's or in the new Marvel's movie or something. I don't know, but the whole thing now is like, I want to see Peter like discover modern music. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. I really enjoyed the flip to the 2000s with Ford's mm-hmm. Machine. Yeah, um, it was really I awesome. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I I would have enjoyed a post-credit of uh, them showing like Spotify or a yeah. phone game. Peter showing getting a phone. Showing him iTunes or getting a fucking cell phone. Yeah, Peter that would have been amazing. Peter a cell phone would have been a really cool. That would have been, oh, that would have been so funny. Especially because he could have been like, it only goes as far as this world. Yeah, right. But how much but it has all the music. Yeah. Like that's his awesome. Spotify account would be what I'd like him oh, to see. God like damn. what I'd like him to get. That's how um, it should end it is him scrolling through iTunes. Yeah. Oh my god damn it. 
Well, no, I guess that's as good a time as any to talk about Rocket. An hour and 40 minutes into the podcast, we will talk about the, the crux of this movie. But we've been dancing around him. He's the plot. Yeah, he is. It is such a long time coming in the MCU to find out more about Rocket and where he came from. Yeah. I uh, I think him acknowledging that his name is Rocket Raccoon is Amazing. one of the biggest MCU payoffs of all. T- it's right up there with hearing Cap say Avengers Assemble for me. Because that's how I he's agree. introduced to everybody is I'm Rocket Raccoon. I totally agree. I mean, that's his proper name, just like Drax the Destroyer and the, you know, the legendary Star-Lord. Like, I think it's cool that everyone gets their, like, full proper names. Yeah. Those who yeah. have them. And that's basically yeah. the story for Rocket here is getting revenge on the terrible, terrible upbringing that he had. Yeah. Everybody gets to come full circle. Yeah. Um, and, and we've seen from the very first, like, when they go to prison, uh, like we were saying in the first movie, we see, like, where it shows, like, who everybody is, which is actually a really funny moment, right, where it gives mm-hmm. these, like, descriptions of everyone and they're, like, IDs or whatever going into prison. And uh, Rockets says, you know, the result of, like, illegal cybernetic experiments and actually gives his code. They actually are able to pull that. His code, what A, whatever, whatever the number is. Whatever it was, um, they that's there in the first Guardians. Yep. So it's all the way full circle for Rocket, and he really deserved this backstory. Like it's so great. It's I love that this is what drives the plot. Like mm-hmm. again, I love that it saved your friends, not the world. And yeah. it is the highest stakes that we felt in the MCU in forever for all that. And it's just like Well, it allowed us to focus on just the movie and not mm-hmm. shit happening like elsewhere. Like everybody's like revolved around rocket rocket. Yeah. It's it's just on your shoulders. It's just this is what we need. And Peter says it a bunch of times in the movie when he's like, if I don't get this information, my best friend is gonna die. Yep. And it's like crazy to hear that said with the urgency and feel more urgency in him saying that than in like if we don't do this, the whole world gets the world destroyed. World or, and here's whatever. the important thing to remember, guys. For those of you who have seen the movie, and we'll talk more about this when we talk about the high evolutionary, but a literal planet does get destroyed. Like, billions of people actually do die in this movie. The planet that the High Evolutionary destroys, there are billions on Counter-Earth. There are billions of people living there. And he just... Yeah, nobody cares. We're all like, but what about Rocket Raccoon? No one said a thing. That's true. Um, Actually, yikes. Uh, Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed this plot. It was a really hard backstory to watch, though. Like, I do want to go ahead and say that. Like, I and I usually am like, I'm not so sensitive to this stuff that I like can't watch it. You know, it's people who just like cannot watch animal cruelty. Oh, yeah. I can usually like it's okay. I can I don't love it, obviously, but it doesn't like I don't have that visceral response to that stuff where I'm like, I can't watch. Yeah. But there were parts of this that were pushing it like floor was so brutal just looking at floor like just Dude. yeah um that poor bunny her screaming is that i genuinely like I, this needs to end like in my head i was like can we stop this please like please just keep like move to the next fucking scene please i just yeah. that was so fucking hard and then i realized it was quiet and i was like no no, that's not what I meant. Yeah. Don't kill them all. 
the way that they built that up to just be like insufferable, like even as audience members, to just mm-hmm. be like, I can't stand this anymore. Like, yeah. and I totally get why Rocket tore that guy's face off. Oh, like dude. it's insane that that's like they had this like sweet little life where it was like Rocket was just so like innocently brilliant and was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I helped Master figure out this or that, and we're gonna go to the special world, and like us fucked up like. This looks like the real life version of fucking Sid's toys from Toy Story. Oh, like, it totally is. That's exactly horrifying. what this is. It was awful. Yeah. Here's the worst part about it. And again, I probably should be saving this for when we talk about the high evolutionary. But the whole point of this is that's just how Rocket is. And that's the whole reason that the high evolutionary wants him. Is Rocket just knew this shit off the cuff. He didn't yeah, have to teach it. He didn't have to learn anything. Yeah, he is just a true genius. And that's, I think, why this is basically Rocket's movie. Mm-hmm. And as they say, Rocket's franchise, right? They kind of mm-hmm. turn it all around and say this was about you all along, which. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I could get down. Um, him and Peter anyway, but they, that Rocket is for sure varsity. Right? Oh, like, for sure, dude. He's been there since day on. one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I liked the yeah. stuff with the high evolutionary. Like he was like definitely top five Marvel villain. No problem. Dude. Maybe so top three. Here is. Here is why I actually very much enjoyed the high evolutionary. And it's not just because. I'm going to butcher his name, but Chudwuk Iwuji. That's the name of the actor who plays him. Um. Not only did he do a phenomenal job of at first, like, dude, okay, seriously, the part that the reason that this emotionally broke me so much is he is so nice to Rocket when they're solving problems. Like when they're doing the math problem in the beginning and he's telling Rocket about the sky and where they're going to go and the new world they're going to build. He's so caring and so nice. But then like, yeah, as soon as he like, he wakes up and he realizes like rocket figured this out without training. He has a, what they call a breakthrough. Um, and he yells like screams in rocket's face. How could you figure out something? I couldn't like, Mm -hmm. he's such a fucking sociopath at the end of this that I'm like, but the best part about him, and I've been holding off saying this until right now, because it is, it's the it's the counterpart to the theme that this isn't about the world saving and anything like this. It's about family. High evolutionary poses no immediate or grand threat to the galaxy. He right, doesn't. None. he doesn't. Nobody gives a fuck except for like this this specific yeah. personal impact. No one cares. Yeah, he literally poses a threat to the worlds he deems. A failure that he created. He's not going out. He even says it. He's like, I have no plans for world domination. I just want to make a right. perfect world. And that's, I think, what not only makes him so scary, but so dangerous inside that world of yeah, the Yeah, I mean, we see, like, the Sovereign are scared of him. Like, the peop- like the little kids, I assume, are a race like the Sovereign that he's mm-hmm. created. Yeah. Right? They're not kidnapped from anywhere. Like, he's making They're experiments. Them. Yeah. He's just yeah. continually trying to perfect other people. He's just creating harm. 
He's just mm-hmm. manufacturing suffering. Yeah. And um, it's what Rocket says at the end that he didn't want things to be perfect. He just didn't like things the way they were. Yeah, exactly. And he's just like, yeah, creating and destroying societies. And he's like a god to some of these societies he's building. Yeah. He said like, oh, it was he was just awful. And it's like. Rocket has so much reason after all this betrayal and loss from being so innocent. Like they all think yeah. like we said, like he's like a God. They all think this is going to be great. And like, they have mm-hmm. no reason to think anything otherwise because they don't know anything else. And it's just like in the first movie, he is like so scared to like make friends. Like mm-hmm. he's not trying to do that. And like, you really get how he could have gotten there. I would love to know how he and Groot fell in with Met one up, Yeah. Yeah, and like, and then in Infinity War, it's like he loses everybody and he loses Groot in the first movie. And like, then he loses everybody in the snap. And he's just like, it's just like him and Nebula. And it's just like, how did the CG raccoon become the emotional center of the MCU? I know. Like, I just, I get why he can't, like, oh. Poor Rocket. And in Infinity War, when he's like, I personally, I have a lot to lose. I have a lot to lose. It's like, oh, my God. And he knows exactly what that would feel like. Yeah. What that would be like. He already did lose his crew. Like, oh, no. I can't handle it. It's just like, Rocket deserved this movie. Oh, yeah, he did. Big time. Every every second of this about Rocket was, oh, it was so great. And here's the other thing that I like. Normally in movies like this with situations like this a main character gets sidelined so that they don't have to show them again. Meaning they didn't have a big part. Oh, sure. And we just talk about them. And we do that with Kraglin like and Cosmo or Leia. Yeah. He's in like, they, they seamlessly weave in and out the flashback stuff. Yeah. Um, and you don't even notice while that's happening that like, yeah, like you said, Hey, Rocket's like not in the movie. Cause he's totally in the movie. Mm-hmm. And also the, the grand evolutionary. High evolutionary. Yeah. He's, evolutionary. he's all over this. Yeah, he's in all of the the flashbacks, even though he's not actually in – he's in a lot, but not that much of the present mm-hmm. timeline. Like, he comes in as your typical bad guy to be like, get me the thing I wanted, ha, 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 and then all his minions are off doing it, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, he's – until he fights with, with Peter later and Groot. Like, that was mm-hmm. fucking fire. But, um, yeah, it keeps them both in the movie, like, really seamlessly through flashbacks that, like, I thought I wasn't going to give a shit about. Like, when I saw that there was, like, flashbacks to Young Rocket, I was like, whatever. I cared so much. I can't believe R.I.P. Teefs. I just, I can't. That that walrus. Even alive, they were so hard to watch. Yeah. Like, they just looked like they were in pain. Like, I just, it was just awful. It was, like, such a horrible Frankenstein like I just they it was it was rough the two of them him and well, him and Flora were hard to watch like they had been through it yeah the uh, the whole thing if you kind of like pay attention is Rocket is perfect to the high evolutionary at that point because he does not have robotic limbs mm-hmm. of any kind Floor totally does she doesn't even have a mouth. Yeah, so does Lila. Lila doesn't have arms. Yeah, which that was my first thing. I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's crazy. kind of surprised that Lila had robot arms in heaven. I was a little bit like, at King's Cross, do you not have regular arms? But that's how he knows her, so that's all it really is. is Oh, damn, dude. Yeah, but that was... 
Anybody but, that says this was not Rocket's movie, you're fucking turn the episode off. No, it was amazing. And it made me think like with how much loss he's suffered after all of that and like living through all of that in Infinity War. Oh, right? yeah. Like, because he survives the five years alone with Nebula. Mm-hmm. And like when Quill is like, I feel like if he had been like awake to hear the line when Quill is like, everyone I know is dead and all the things like when he gets into that with ne- with uh, Mantis. Mantis. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that. Rocket would have told him to sit the fuck down. I don't. If he had heard he, him say that, I think he'd be like, you don't know what loss is, bitch. Like, I mean, that's, I think that's why they're best friends is because the both of them do. Yeah. yeah Rocket true. lost true, the true. only family he ever knew, which was these three friends. Peter lost his mom. He watched her die. He lost his dad. He was the reason his dad died. He lost his other dad, Yondu. Literally, he watched him die too. Like, Peter has known as much loss as Quill has, or uh, uh, as Rocket has. I don't know. Rocket went through the snap, man. Rocket lost Groot in the first movie. That's true. Yeah. Rocket went through the snap. I I don't know, man. But I was thinking about, like, oh, the two of you, like, and also what Rocket witnessed was horrible. Like, I'm like, there's no, I can't, it was too intense. It was like, that was so much worse than ego dying. I'm like, no, Rocket's seen things. Like, I can't deal with it. But um, it also had me thinking about his conversation with Tony during Infinity War when he tells Tony, like, you're only a genius on Earth. And watching him do this as a baby and that it's just- Oh, yeah, him, dude. I'm like, yeah, Tony, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's the other thing that I really like about Peter, too, is like. Peter could have reworked what Tony had done or enhanced it with other shit. Like the best part about this is that Tony is not the end all be all king shit of fuck mountain anymore. I, I, I liked how um, committed they were to getting back together as a group, like no surprise, because that's what the movie's about. Yeah. But like when they're like where are you? And they're like, we're, we're on the, the high evolutionary ship. Where we're are you? The and they're like, we, we got off the, the ship. ship. And it's like, <laughs> we came to rescue you from the ship. And it's like, well, shit. Like they're like, I just, I just love their group. Mm-hmm. They make me so happy. I'm so sad that they split up. I'm just like, oh, yeah. but I, but I'm glad that rocket is in charge of the guardians and he has the ship and he's like captain. And all I of love that, that they do call good. him captain too. Like yeah. that was, yeah. But I, I really want to believe that they would like go visit Quill. Like it's not fucking hard. I think that's what's going to end up happening is something cosmic is going to require Quill to like be present. Well, I don't need to see it. I don't need to have it be a movie. I just need to like have it be understood. Oh, that they go and see each other. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, that they're not like a family anymore. It doesn't mean that like they don't like Gamora and, and Nebula don't still see each other. Like that they all like that Rocket goes to visit Quill. Yeah. Like, I don't want Quill being on Earth to mean that he never sees Rocket again. That would be devastating. I just, like, need to believe that he can still be part of the gang. Um, yeah, Even definitely. though Rocket's in charge. I, I need that to be true, or I yeah. can't sleep at night. I'm, pre- <laughs> oh God, I'm pretty sure that's, like, the understanding that they have. I think you're okay. <laughs> okay, good. Now that we've talked about how everybody's arc comes all the way around, um, when they made this movie, it was so completely unhinged. Mm-hmm. With the worst characters in Marvel, and people were like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" When this yeah, movie came like, out, who and cares? the fact that 
yeah, definitely, who cares? And also, what? Like, there's a tree and a raccoon, and like, what? I don't understand. Like, and now we're in space, and it has nothing to do with any of the other movies. And like, what do you mean it's a comedy? Like, it was so out there for the MCU. Like, we have to remember that Guardians was the first non-Earth movie. Not only non-Earth based, but the first, like, at that point, all we had was Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Yeah, so it was it wasn't the first one in space because Thor was in space, but it was like so right. It was like we had that, but we just had these like three. It was the first new hero outside of the first set, mm-hmm. right? It was the first new thing they did after Avengers. It was the first sort of different vibe movie yeah. that they had at that point. Like Thor was kind of funny, but the movies were of very similar vibes. Um, and this came out to just slay to yeah. the point that like slay. it was. Is so unique and important that they have Gunn come in to write all of the Guardians material for Infinity War Endgame. Mm. They got his sign off to kill Gamora. Um, and it's just what a legacy. Like, just what a cool uh, part of the MCU. And so well done. And just what a perfect trilogy. It's crazy that this Dark Horse idea became a fundamental piece of how people see the MCU. Like the most popular part of the MCU. Yeah. Crazy. It's also important to acknowledge where we go from here because of two actors decisions. We already know for a fact that Dave Bautista and Zoe Zaldana will not be back. Zoe Zaldana has even said that she wants someone else to play Gamora and take her in a new direction. And just recast that version of Gamora? I don't know. Maybe it's a variant. Maybe it's a different... Maybe we never see Gamora well, again. Zoe Zaldana said that. Which you, Zoe Zaldana said that, yeah. yeah that Dave Batista has mean, it has said, anything to do with canon. Right, exactly. <laughs> or logic. Yeah. Dave Batista has says he's done. He doesn't want this to be the only thing he's known for. He wants to do other stuff. And I get that. And that's fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. We don't, he's maybe we don't so need Drax time. to come back. Drax is racing these kids on nowhere. Nebula, yeah. however, Karen Gillen has said that she would love to keep playing Nebula. Yeah. Same Fuck with- yeah, Karen Gillen. Let's Hell go. Yeah. T- they should take Nebula's character and do like, uh, just just keep it going. Like she's she's so cooked now. She's been yeah. through such a satisfying, awesome arc. They should kind of thwart her. Like she's done a lot. She should yeah. fucking keep going. They should not to say change her character in the way that, that like or that style of upgrade, but something like that where it's like, yeah, well, you just saw like this wild five movie growth arc for this character. Like now <laughs> let's see what she does next. Let's see what she does with it. Let's put her into some shit. Like I go all day. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um uh, Chris Pratt has said that he would love to return for Star-Lord if the script is right. And I think that whatever script he's involved in next is right because we, again, at the end of the trailer, we get the legendary Star-Lord will return. And there are conflicting theories all over the internet right now about what that means. Lindsay's is that we're going to get a variant of him. That is a possibility. I don't think well, I'm that's highly probable. suspicious. Well, my reasoning for this is we always have the so-and-so will return title card. This yeah. was the only one that has ever looked like this that was, was white, white on black 
and that yeah. it was like the Guardian's font and it was big font. It wasn't that tiny little font at the top that's like, you almost didn't read it, but it says this yeah. will return. Like it was like a very different style than from what we've seen before. And mm-hmm. uh, for that reason, I believe it will be a very different legendary Star Lord. It's definitely not our Peter Quill that's coming back, but I could very much see it being Chris Pratt. But not our Peter Quill. That's my. I absolutely think it's a variant. Oh, I, but I see also, what you're saying. If our Peter Quill isn't in Secret Wars, I riot. Um, oh, he will be. My, There's no way he's not. Like it has to be. He's on Earth. Like he can just join the Avengers now, right? Like what yeah. the fuck? Like so. But nobody knows who he is, really. Yeah. So the only thing is that the only people who know that Star Lord exists, one of them is dead. <clears throat> the he's other one. Yeah, Tony. The other one, no one knows who he is now. Spider-Man. They're the uh, only two people that I'll know. I'll do better. Doctor Strange. True, but he's not on Earth anymore. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, he's not. Shit. Well, yeah. he'll surely he'll be back in time for Secret Wars. I don't think so. I think the reason he's not there is so he couldn't help with Secret Wars. Would he? The point is, I do think that it'll be a variant. I wish that Peter Quill would join the Avengers. I agree that there may not be enough Avengers who know who he is. But why can't he show up like Ant-Man style and be like, yo, you guys have fight in space. Like, that would be hilarious. He could. He'd say, I'm Rocket's friend. They all know Rocket. That's true. There's no reason they wouldn't know stories about Quill. They all the room, like, like, they totally would know who he is. The Hulk would know who he is. They totally would know. Rhodey is the big one that would know who he is because yeah. he's getting his show coming up. Well, not even a show. It's a movie now. It's Armor Wars. Yeah. I want to see him go like sign up during Captain America 4 and be like, you guys don't remember me? Oh like, my God, why can't yeah. I be one of the Avengers? Like, come on. That wouldn't be fucking hilarious. I think As that a would cameo, be amazing. I would love for them to turn him down and just be like, listen, Peter, like I just don't like, like really second, like underestimate him and then have him come back in Secret Wars and have a funny joke where he's like, remember how you didn't want me? Like, come on. I'm writing it for them. Like, Kevin. Yeah, you are. Where you at? Where you <laughs> at, Feige? <laughs> I have this plan. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about my favorite and yours, I'm sure you're not totally raging. Um, baby Adam Warlock, who oh we haven't God. talked about at all. Let's so, talk about Adam Warlock. Yeah, and the reason we haven't talked about this is actually the reason that Matt and I... Are you raging? Yeah. Adam Warlock I is such it. a huge deal. Like, him existing is such a big deal. And the fact that he was almost barely not really relevant in this movie until the end... That is the other reason I can't give this a perfect 10 out of 10. However, every scene he's in, couldn't care less who else is in the scene with him. It's it's all about him. He's great, right? Dude, I love him. The fact that he calls Angelica, or uh, fuck, what's her name? Alicia. I think it's Alicia. Um, Yeah, it is Alicia. His mom. His mother. His mom, yeah. That that he calls her his mom. That's my favorite <laughs> fucking thing. Aisha, that's her name. Aisha. Aisha. Aisha, yeah. you're right. Played by Elizabeth Debicki. I love every scene that he's in. The fact that he takes that the Ravagers uh dog blurp and he's just like oh my God. I'll make him my pet now. And it's just like, what the I fuck? Lo- I loved him. I thought that he was perfectly placed in this movie to be like a character that I would have wanted more of. 
Yeah. Uh, who was not the focus of what is happening today, ladies and gentlemen. And But also, like, come <laughs> back next time because there will be other – while I believe that the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise is over, I do not think that we will ever see another movie that is Guardians of the Galaxy volume anything. No, I don't We're either, but will be involved in other shit. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, we will see this stuff go on and maybe start a new franchise that's not the Guardians but that has Rocket and has, like, this new team – but under a different name somehow, I don't care what the mechanic is. I just think like in terms of honoring what this has been like this, this trilogy is over, but I could see getting uh, similar to what we want for Spider-Man. The Spider-Man like home trilogy is over, but we might be able, we might see spectacular Spider-Man or something, yeah. something else. Or like we talked about with Toy Story that they, they could have called it Woody instead of Toy Story 4 and had it be, it's like they, there's, there's a way for them to continue these characters. And I would love to see Adam Warlock continued because I really, really liked him. And I, I think that I enjoyed the way they did that, that I wanted to see more of him, uh, but that, but he wasn't the focus. They had a lot of stuff to wrap up at the end of this trilogy. Um, I know that he's super powerful in the comics, but I think it's amazing. Like the explanation that he's like this sweet baby this that was child, like taken yeah. too soon from the cocoon. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why he's a doofus. He's an because idiot. Yeah. He's a baby because he just like wasn't, he wasn't done cooking yet, but they took him out anyway. And like, and I think that leaves a lot of room to, for him for to have a really cool growth. character arc be, yeah. where he becomes a super badass in like, let's get real, a Fantastic Four movie. Like, come on, like that would yeah. be fire, right? Yeah, like, that would be pretty sick. Cause now he's like, and here's the other thing, dude, that we don't get fucking answers for at all. He is the guardian's vision now. Totally. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. their hidden powerhouse. Yeah, he is. And he'll only get stronger and like mm-hmm. how much more interesting to have a character that we introduce that everybody likes that we want more of to have room to grow and have a sweet arc rather than this guy literally just come out of a cocoon fully baked, ready to be the most powerful thing in the MCU and then come and fuck up guardians three that has so much going for it. We don't want some all powerful, like this, this was about saving your friends, not Mm -hmm. the universe. Yeah. I really liked it. Even if it's not, even if it's disappointing for what comic fans were expecting to see for Adam (laughs) Warlock. I understand. Cause I get that. There's a lot of people out there right now who are disappointed. I'm I'm disappointed in his lack of presence. That's my only thing. But his future is what makes this like so exciting for me that we yeah. can see where he can go from here. And Will Poulter even said, like, I'll be back. It just depends on what fans want. Like, okay, when we clearly want you back. Yeah, um come back. I, yeah. I wonder if people are pissed because it's kind of like like we just kind of did this with Modoc. With Modoc, yeah. I kind of th- I feel like that's why everybody's pissed, but I think when they start separating those two uh and you look at just Guardians as Guardians, I think that's where you're going to be okay. I think so too, but I can understand how people like I also enjoyed Modoc, but I get how people are like, "Okay, stop taking our super powerful comic characters yeah. and making them jokes." Yeah, like, Even Modoc had nowhere think, to go. Like Modoc was yeah, Modoc, and that was all be, we were gonna get. They did but, the right thing with Modoc, but with with Adam Warlock, I think we can keep going, man. Yeah, he was really scary too. Like when he showed up, like he wrecked house, like he fucking destroyed. Oh yeah, everybody. He knocked out all of the guardians. Like, and yeah. they weren't as a team. Which again, hallway scene, fucking fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, when everyone gets back as a team, Rocket. Yep. 
we didn't mention, but great in the oh, yeah. really, really, really great. It has an awesome. Oh moment. shit! I forgot <laughs> to mention cheap. that too. This yeah. is gonna be. I've been <laughs> holding on to this until uh, the end of this this episode because I know it's gonna cause such a huge deal for you. Or it's gonna be such an uproar for you. I actually think the scene where they all fight together and get hits on high evolutionary is better than the hallway scene because it is such an emotional. It's not just rocket fighting. It's his whole family is there to beat the shit out of the dude that did this to rocket. And that's why I think it's better. Do we want to talk about the post-credit scenes real quick before we do room requirements? Yes. Like what, so what comments do you have on the post-credits? The, the other, so I can't, I took point one off of the three issues I had with this movie. One point is ma- the mask. One point is Adam Warlock's, lack of involvement and the second one actually is part of the first post-credit scene phila vale the little girl who was talking to uh drax she's the one that convinces all the little kids to step back from the starboard side so that they can blow Mm -hmm. the hole in it okay she's just randomly a member of the guardians now and has powers that at no point during the other move the rest of the movie were we ever made privy to i was like i'm so interested in who she is i would like to hear more like please tell me more about this kid i i cared zero that none of the mutants come into their power before puberty that's completely fine with me that she didn't have a power before then i'm not upset about it i'm just mad that she's there without them making a comment about it like and kid like we've got you here now like what's your favorite music or whatever like they don't she's just here i i don't know it just that threw me off so hard that she has powers that look just like miss marvel's (laughs) And I could like, I just like, okay, cool. Like we get to explain this and we're totally setting up the young Avengers, even though they're part of the guardians and it has nothing to do with the young Avengers. There's always a kid though. Everybody's got, a I kid. know there's always a kid. I liked it. I thought she was cool. I feel you though. You're not wrong. Um, but I liked her. I enjoyed that whole scene. I loved mm. baby Groot as the giant dragon and a like big ass fucking rock. Yeah. I was like, wait, where is he? <laughs> the needle drop at the end was everything. Yeah. That yeah. that's the song they chose to come no, back on. Starlord's original song. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was incredible. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of, uh, we didn't talk about it, but Cracklin's journey was dope and him learning to, uh, master the Yaka arrow was fucking hot. Single-handedly saving nowhere. The cameo that we got. Mm-hmm. So that uh, is uh, part of the room. Eh, requirements. So I'll t- yeah. I'll take it in there. But he cameos um, for a second. He um, has a very brief cameo. His voice is also used in the Christmas like he special. Would mean Yondu. Yeah, Yondu. Um, so there's Yondu. Michael Rooker returns for a literally a five second scene. Yeah. Like, was it? Did he really come back for it? It wasn't just old footage. No, that's really him. Yeah, that's really him. That's crazy. Yeah, I loved that. He yeah, shows up he just awesome. to like emotionally talk to Kraglin about how you have to fire the arrow with your heart, boy. Yeah, I liked that. I, and I liked that arc for Kraglin. I liked that he yeah. now has the arrow. Because the new Guardians all have, like, sick powers, right? Like, Rocket mm. is Rocket, and now is the coolest thing in the MCU. Yeah, that's his power. Kraglin has the arrow. The little girl has some unknown power. Groot yeah. is Groot. Uh, yeah. And then they've got Space Dog that has Cosmo. Space Dog powers. And Adam. Yeah, Cosmo, Cosmo has telepathy. And I love that Kraglin's like, because cool. she's a very good dog. She then- was the best girl. <laughs> yeah. She was. So... I like I was into that post credit. I was here for seeing like that the Guardians are still operating and out doing um, their shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then I think we kind of talked about the other one. Like, I, we talked about Peter. Yeah. I liked it. I was yeah. fine. We, we talked about that one. Yeah. So I'm going to be a really nice guy, and I'm going to let Lindsay start focusing on her food, and I will start closing us out with the not-so-important things, room of requirement stuff. Um, both Tara Strong and Judy Greer returned to the MCU in completely different forms. Uh, previously, we saw Tara Strong as Miss Minutes herself. Love that lady. Uh, while Judy Greer was formerly portrayed as Scott Lang's ex-wife, Maggie. This time around, Tara Strong replaces Miley Cyrus as Mainframe, the floating robot head member of Sylvester Stallone's Ravager crew, while Judy Greer voices Warpig, the grotesque, scary as fuck looking Warpig that tries to take Rocket off the ship. I when the, Warpig. Yeah, I did too. Especially because she's like, we're on the same side, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, Linda Cardellini, who portrayed previously Clint Barton's wife, uh, Laura Barton, is the voice of Lila, the otter. So I thought that was awesome, too. That is cool. We also mentioned the Yondu cameo, but there are other noticeable uh, cameos throughout the movie, including Nathan Fillion returning as Master Karja and Orgo Sentry in Orgo Corp. Uh, uh, Nathan Nathan Fillion had previously portrayed an alien in the first guardians of the galaxy movie. He's actually the big blue alien that Groot uses the twigs to pick him up through his nose. And that's when rockets like this here is our booty talking about Peter. Right, right, right. <laughs> so get the fuck away. <laughs> Can I just mention on orc corp too? Can I just casually say gross ew and yeah. also cool? Yeah, both. But mostly. Oh man. Ew. All right, yeah. go on. I just that's- wanted to throw in. No, there, I'm right there with you. Like fucking ill. I would have been bathing in sanitizer. Like I would have oh, been freaking out in sure, Org Corp. Dude. I wouldn't what? have touched a fucking thing in Org Corp. I nope. just ew. Whatever fountain thing that Drax falls in, fucking no way, dude. Like everything it, they touch, the walls, the outside yeah. of the place. The way the computers work, like nope. <sighs> fucking no. Nope. Um <laughs> other noticeable cameos were pete davidson plays flectic another one of the experiments who is actually down on the planet uh with him i had to look who up who he was and my personal favorite because i love crazy rich asians so much the movie crazy rich asians nico santos is one of the high evolutionary cyborg recorders feel he's the one that they're trying to get the head piece from oh shit yeah, he is the what they refer to in the Crazy Rich Asians movie, the rainbow sheep of the family that helps Rachel find her outfit. This is my fit. This is genuinely the funniest part in this whole movie. It's the hardest I laughed. Um, oh, for sure. Me too. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 now holds the honor as the first ever use of the F word in the MCU. I like how you say the F word, even though this is such an explicit, like, not like we don't we don't care he swears but like, this podcast yeah but like Peter he, says fuck. he says fuck <laughs> in the funniest way it's not just like i'm gonna save my fucking friend or anything like that it's that nebula can't open a car door yeah and then she's like okay i've pushed the button now what he's like you open the fucking door <laughs> she gets in and she's like that is a <laughs> stupid design did you see what chris pratt said about this no i didn't Chris Pratt gave an interview where he was, he says, 
dropping F-bombs is something that the actors will start to do as a way to signal to the filmmakers, like, we're done, move on from this scene. Like, when people just stop, like, are oh, just not here yeah. for it anymore. And that <laughs> this was one of those moments where they'd done it, and so many times that they were like, okay, just, like, get what you need. And he's like, well, then you open the fucking door. And, the, and he's like, and they kept it. He's like, it was, and the... <laughs> This is not planned. This was not like, this is where we're going to put it. It was just oh, like- Oh, that makes it so much editing. better now. They were just like, no, you know what? That's funny. Give the MCU its first F-bomb because that's Fuck just yeah. goddamn funny. And they threw that in the movie, which I think is hilarious that it was like in no way planned. Uh, and Chris Pratt gets the first F-bomb. Because he's so I exasperated. That. Oh, that's so funny, dude. I'm so, so fucking funny. here for that. I really, really liked that. That was hilarious. And I have seen a couple people say they'd prefer for it to have been uh, I'm Rocket fucking Raccoon. Oh, that would have been okay. I would have been okay with that. No, I like the way it happened better. That's so scripted. Like, and it's so, or 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 say, I've heard people say we should have gotten uh, We're the Guardians of the fucking Galaxy. Uh, if now knowing that this is not scripted, that makes it perfect. And that's exactly where I wanted it. But if I were to put another F word somewhere. It would have been, I'm Rocket fucking Raccoon. That's so spicy, dude. I, it is. Oh, oh, I'm it so is. here for it. But it's just, I think it's almost too on the nose. I just, I really preferred the yeah. casual, just like you open the fucking door. Like get, yeah. like that just like level of exasperation. And it's so like where Quill is throughout the whole movie. That he's oh yeah, just, like, he's done with everybody's shit. He's so heightened. Yeah. He's so, like, it. he's so urgent. Yeah, uh, yeah I I really loved that. All right, so let's wrap this thing up. Uh, nine point seven. Would you give me. this movie? You- yeah, nine point seven. It's up there, dude. Like, it is definitely the best MCU movie we've reviewed uh, since yeah, No Way I Home. Say, I don't know I what Matt say is saying that this was better than No Way Home, but I think it might have been. I don't, I don't think know. it. I think it's close. I think it is the closest we've gotten to perfect MCU. I think that because of how effective the comedy was, mm-hmm. in, like I cry harder in No Way Home for sure. Yeah. But this was, yeah. How about how about this? I don't know which one necessarily is better, but I do know that this does a better job of being the movie that it is than Endgame did, or than the, sorry than the uh, No, Way, the Home no Way Home did. If we're not comparing the two movies, but just of saying of what they were trying to do. Okay. All if right. they're racing okay. themselves of yeah. the movie that the movie is trying to be, yep. Guardians okay. did it better than All No right. Way Home did I'll it. I'll give you the, Okay. I am fine settling on that. Guardians of the Galaxy is fucking fire. I gave this yeah. movie a 10 out of 10. We both gave, I'm going to get, okay, 9.9 because you're right about the, the, the quill fake out gives was, it a 9.9 for me. It was a harsh setup, dude. He should have been wearing a space mask that was unhinged. Um yeah. <laughs> and we both gave the villain a 10 out of 10 and just very briefly because it has been two and a half hours and I do have food that's getting cold. Yes, you do. And we did talk about the, what's his name? High evolutionary. High, evol- high evolutionary, but really, really, really solid. Like just yeah. really want to emphasize the 10 out of 10 there mm-hmm. that like he is up there for me with some combination of Thanos, Loki, the vulture, the vulture and Killmonger. Yeah. I, like that's the five, right? That's yeah, like, and he's right be. in there. It's gotta he's be real good. Yeah, yeah. Like you guys, he was like really, really strong. Get out of here. I'm gonna take, take us these out of guys here. out of here. I'm gonna get out of here. Get I'm starving to death. Right, I, love I love you. you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I love you. Bye. As always, guys, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves and maybe even learned something about the MCU as a whole. Please be sure to join us next week for a very special birthday request. The timeline. 
I'm so stoked about it. You guys should be too. I'm not going to tell you what the movie is because that's the whole point of the request, the timeline. Uh, be sure to subscribe wherever you guys listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find the links for our sites and social media on the episode descriptions. If you'd like to support the podcast, we do encourage you guys to follow us on Patreon where you can, God damn it. Can I stop doing that? I keep pulling my headset out and I can't hear myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, we encourage you guys to follow us on our Patreon where you can find our show notes for each episode as full as well as super awesome goodies. Make sure to check out the website for even more timeline goodies, including including request the timeline. God, I'm trying to get us out of here too. Let us know what you want to see and we'll make it happen. But until next time, guys, oh, please stay nerdy. Bye.